Hello, good evening and welcome to Monday nights. Fools rush in. Um, if it's anything like where I am right now, it's very cold outside. So I hope you've wrapped up warm and you settled down uh, to enjoy what I'm sure is going to be a highly emotive episode. Um, needless to say, the football, whether that be Swindon or England, didn't bring any festive joy into my household at least. So uh, <laughs> it's uh, it's certainly going to be interesting and, and something of a therapy session, this one. Uh, we've got uh, a good panel tonight and a, a special guest joining us as well. But before we say hello to them, let's roll the titles. Take my hand, take my whole life too, but I and let's start by saying hello to a man who's, who's been missing for a couple of episodes and it feels like an absolute age since we've seen him hello and good evening nick how are you hey, oh yeah hi fifey yeah glad to be back this man flu, mate, is a killer, I tell you. It's an absolute killer. So, uh, and, uh, yeah, a few days out of action, but uh, I'm back in raring to go. Well, we are delighted to have you back. And I know the uh, the illness, the, the very severe illness that is man flu, <laughs> kept you away on Saturday, but you were able just about to watch the England game. Um, and I know you've caught up on many of the uh, many of the other talking points, so you're going to have lots of opinions to share tonight. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Looking forward to it. Yeah. Speaking of someone else who might be suffering, but not with man flu, uh, let's see if he's recovered from the weekend. Good evening, Rich. Hi there, mate. You all right? I'm very well. But the question is, how are you? Uh, not too bad, mate. Not too bad. Um, it was Saturday afternoon was a bit depressing. Um, Saturday evening. I'd like to say I told you so. But, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it, it's the way it goes. And I'm sure we'll have more to talk about that later. So, you know. Well, you yeah. could tell us you told us so in around about an hour's, an hour or so's time, mate. That's, that's for sure. Good stuff. Um, there is a, a third panellist, but I do believe he may still be on the phone. So instead, let's say hello and good evening to our special guest, making his fools rushing debut, former goalkeeping coach, Steve Hale. Good evening, Steve. Good evening. How are you? Very, very well. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Cold in Coventry, but uh, wrapped up warm in my room at the moment. Absolutely. And can I say again, thank you very much for taking time out your evening to, to spend with us tonight. I know you were at the game on Saturday and I'm sure you'll have plenty of insight on uh, on what you saw, that is for sure. Um, before we get into that, though, let's see if he's available. He's put his headphones back on. There is a guest here, which means Kieran must be here as well. How are you, pal? Always. Yeah, not too bad, mate. Thank you. <laughs> Only show up when the big guests are on, don't you, mate? Oh, obviously, mate. Obviously. <laughs> if there's a guest there, I'm there. Uh, absolutely. You you love the you love the limelight, that's for sure. Um <laughs> Let's get straight into it then, and a uh, and a draw at the weekend. Um, after a run of performances and results that's uh, not amused the fan base, should we say? Um, at least it wasn't a defeat. In, in the lack of Ben Rich, that's that's possibly the the best positive I can come up with. 
Yeah, absolutely. I think um, to be quite honest with you, uh, from a from a draw's perspective, I think the fact that Wimbledon have been on a, a very good run and uh, a team that didn't really threaten us that much uh, in well in front of goal. Really, I think uh, we found out earlier that uh, Bryn had one save to say, and that was from a Davison shot or a Davison header or something like that. Um, and you know, I th- I, I just think. Um, I kind of feel as if it was a bit of a missed opportunity for us, um, but we we just stuck to our normal game plan, which was, well, to be honest with you, I don't really know what our game plan is, but it's just to keep possession for 90 minutes, 68% possession and, you know, not really do an awful lot with it. Uh, again, shots on target for us was very, very minimal. Um, shots in general for us were very, very minimal, actually. And, you know, I, I, I just... I, I get that we had a lot of injuries and that, and I think that's going to show, especially in the next couple of weeks or so, especially leading up to Christmas and the new year. I think it's, it's just one of those things that uh, Lindsay, uh, it, it's one of the challenges that Lindsay's going to have now. And it's one of the challenges he's going to have to try and get around. Um, I do feel as if that uh, Johnny Williams coming back into this team as well was obviously a massive boost. Uh, he obviously came in as captain as well on Saturday um, which is a role that he hasn't actually had at Swindon before, or not very often anyway. Um, and you know, I think um, you know, I, I do, I do think that was a massive boost for us. But how do we sort of interpret a and get back to our sort of winning ways, uh, especially when because we were all complaining that Johnny was one of the players that we massively missed in the games where he was actually at the World Cup. Yeah. But now, the since then we've obviously got had a quite a few injuries, um, and obviously we're having to bring in some players that haven't had as much regular game time either. So, how how does how does um, Scott Lindsay sort of figure this out now, and how does he try and get the best out of the team that he's got, and how does he get back to those results? And I think obviously in the next couple of weeks is something and I, I don't feel as if we've seen that yet I don't feel as if we've seen that transition I mean you compare to where we were um, five weeks ago when we beat Mansfield 5-2 at their place to the last three games uh, last four games even and it, it just seems like we've lost a spark and uh, we need to get back to that ASAP uh, before it's too late we're lucky we're eighth, we're still eighth in the table Um so, you know, it's it, it's going to be a challenge. It is a challenging time for Lindsay. I don't think it's something that the fans should be saying, get out, get out, get out. Um, I think he needs time to figure this out and try and get us uh, a run of games. And obviously, if he can't, then questions will have to be asked. But uh, I'm not a fan of this Lindsay out yet. I, I, I think it's way too early. We've just seen what's happened with Bangana. And, uh, you know, it's it's not the answer. It's not the answer yet. Um, and before we hand it over, I've just got going along the, the ticker on the bottom. I mean, I've seen it. I don't think it was. But your thoughts on the uh, penalty claim? Um, from the angles that I've seen of it, I know I didn't get to see, like, any close-up versions from it. But for me, it seemed like it was a stonewall penalty, to be quite honest okay. with you. Um, but like I said, I haven't really seen any of the ones that, are more close up. So again, like I said, but I did see a replay of it uh, this morning, and uh, to me, it looked like it was a Stonewall penalty. But again, he may have dived. I'm not too sure if there was a clip in there or anything like that. But uh, usually, 
the way that Hepburn Murphy actually went down, usually you see them given. So it does put question marks on that, but I'd like to see another, I'd like to see another uh, angle of it, a uh, more close-up version to see if he was actually clipped. Maybe Saturday just wasn't a good day for referees in general. Um, <laughs> Steve, you, you were there as well um, in a, a purely spectator capacity, um, one of the games where you weren't doing co-coms or anything. What, what did you make of what you saw? Um, yeah, I, I was disappointed, if I'm honest. It was a cold day. It was quite a dull game, um, being brutally honest, which was disappointing. Um Literally, I think Zanev made one good save from Shade and Bryn made one good save. And that was it pretty much, um, which in 90 minutes, obviously, as a, a spectator, you're a little bit disappointed about. Um, I think I, I've sort of seen games sporadically. So I did a few games earlier on in the season um, with the radio co-commentary. Then I think I watched, I think it was Crew on iFollow. I didn't get back in time from Coventry to be able to get to the game. So I literally just got home and, and, and watched it on iFollow. And obviously I watched the game Saturday. And I think um, the more recent games of the ones I've seen, uh, I felt that Swindon have got into some good areas in wide areas and, and got balls in the box, which perhaps wasn't happening as much earlier on in the season. So they, they did seem to be getting into, into good areas, particularly against Crew. There was, I think there was about 30 odd crosses went in the box. But I don't think... I don't think the makeup of the side is right, and I think a lot of that comes down to the recruitment. I've said on radio before that it, it, the team misses a, a focal point. Um, there's not a, a great deal of hype within the side, so um, when the balls are going in the box, I think you because you haven't got a lot of height in there. I think you've actually got to almost get work for, for sort of cutback crosses and get runners across the near post and things like that. And there was a few. I was actually sat in the um, uh, the um, sorry the. Uh, this side of the pitch, the dugout side of the pitch, I've forgotten the name of the stand, that's bad. Um, but I was sat that side in line with the penalty area. So in the first half, I saw quite a lot of opportunities for um, Romeo Hutton to get the ball in the box, which he did. But you, you haven't got a great deal of height. You had Johnny Williams coming at the back post, Jacob waiting through the middle. So those type of deliveries weren't really going to provide a great deal of success. So if you haven't got that target man in there, then you've got to look at the way you're going to cross the ball. If you're going to get into those areas, you obviously need to try and get more runs, more movement within the box and try and get more cutback crosses. Um, but I would like to see um, a more of a focal point in the side. I think I think last season um, with Simpson, at the start of the season, I wasn't quite sure about him, but he certainly grew on me. And I think with being a young player, as he started to get into it and gain more experience, he got stronger and stronger. And it was unfortunate, obviously, in the end when he went back. And I think they, they um, Swindon need a a focal point, a target man within there. We're talking about League Two football. Um, I think you do need a target man in there. So whether that'll happen in the in the transfer window, very difficult to say. Um, it's, again, it's all about the physicality as well, Steve. Especially, and yeah. you you really need that in League Two as well. I mean, it's not a, it's not a league where you want to be pushed over, and uh, especially when you've got uh, an experience like well, I say an experience. He has actually done pretty well this season already considering it's his first league season of football Jacob Wafin but uh, there's nothing on the guy and the same with Luke Jeffcott as well they're two very good football players but you need that physicality and presence and even when we lost Simpson last season we brought Josh Davison in you see the strength that he had on on um, Saturday uh, for Wimbledon although he didn't use it an awful lot you could see when he played for us last season that he was uh, that he had that sort of presence uh, about him. So, yeah, I, I feel as if that we need that 
in January. That is something that I think we do need and a winger as well. I think the hard part in January there will be um, is are the right players available? Um, it's all right knowing what you need, but you've still got to be able to get that type of player in. And that, that could come back to availability. It That's could come down to, to, to finances because I still don't think that uh, the club are in a situation where they can pay big wages. They're still paying off debts. They're still trying to make themselves sustainable. Um, so it, it is difficult if you're you get what you pay for at the end of the day. So if you, if you haven't got the money to pay for the real quality, it is difficult. And so I don't know who's going to be available in January. And then if it is the right quality, we'll actually swing them be able to afford to, to pay their wages, basically. So, um, mm. yeah, it'll be interesting. It'll be an interesting um, transfer window, I think, January. On that note specifically, and before I hand it over to Kieran, um, and I'd sound like a broken record, but I have to ask the question, Rich, if you're looking for physicality up front, why is Adeloy not getting more of a... Okay. Um, that's a good question. I mean, he played in the development game on uh, on Tuesday. And scored. And scored. Yeah, and scored. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, that's that's what we're lacking at the moment is goals. I mean, I'm not saying Adeloy is the answer. Definitely not. Far from it. But um, the fact that uh, I personally haven't seen an awful lot of him. I know people say that, oh, he's had enough game time now and stuff like that. How many, he... ga- how many games has he actually started? He's had about 20 minutes. Two, two starts, I think. Is that, yeah, exactly. So, I mean, out of uh, how many games we've already played this season, what, 20, 22 maybe? Um, and he's only had two starts. I mean, there's either something in training that he's not doing right, whether or not it's a, la- it's, a, it's a lack of training, or whether or not, I mean, he has been injured as well. He has. But um, whether or not that's the reason as to why he's not starting, or whether or not. Um, Maybe it's Lindsay being stubborn or something like that. Maybe he's got too much belief in 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 Wakeling and Jeffcott. But there's something there's something there that we are lacking up top, you know, and stuff like that. And um, I definitely think uh, Adloy deserves his chance. Um, but yeah, I, I, it's, it's it's frustrating. Yeah, it's it's frustrating to see that he's Kieran, not being given a chance. Kieran, you were there. Oh, sorry, you watching on uh, on Saturday as well. Um, you, you've heard what Stephen Rich had to say. Do you agree pretty much with the assessment thus far? It was we could have been out there all day on Saturday. We wouldn't. I don't think we'd have scored a goal. Uh, Wimbledon looked like the side that were going to score. Um, which we can have all the possession. If you're not going to do anything with it, which we got in, yeah, we got into good areas. We were crossing balls into the box into no one. Um, it just lacked any sort of spark. spark. Um, and I think we could generally have been there all, all all night Saturday. We wouldn't have scored. They just never felt like we were going to score. Um, I think you got a question. If you've got a striker on the bench that scored in a development game in midweek that needs game time as well, you, you draw a nil-nil. You've had what one, two shots on target in the last 180 minutes. Why aren't you bringing him on? What's he doing? What's... What's he doing in training to not get on that pitch today on Saturday? Like, there's got to be, there's obviously has got, has got to be something, but you got to, you got to be bringing him on there. Um, but I did say, say would say I liked uh, the look of Morgan Roberts. He's pacey. Um, he's going to be, I think, bringing on more centrally probably wasn't isn't isn't his best vision. I think he's going to be suited more to being a winger. Um, and he, I think he summed up the game though when he had that one of his first shots. He's put it, tried to cross it across goal. <laughs> Why on earth you've tried to cross it across goal from that position? It was it was better to shoot and get not being greedy and stuff. But sometimes this what this is what's lacking. We seem to not be wanting to shoot and everyone's not to be greedy. And I don't know. We, you're not going to win. A, you're not going to win many games of football by doing that. Sometimes you've got to buy a ticket to the raffle and, and have, have those shots. Sometimes you haven't, but. 
you know, test that keeper because I don't think the, Wim- the Wimbledon t- keeper could have sat there having a fag all night. Like he would have literally had had the easiest ninety minutes he's probably would have had all season. Um, it just wasn't. It just it, it, was an, it was an average performance. I think we were lucky to get away with the point. To be honest, I think Wimbledon sort of getting into that last twenty had a good little burst and looked like the side that were going to score more. Um, I think if we'd ran out of three points of that, Wimbledon would have felt absolutely robbed. Um, if it was if that penalty was given. Wimbledon would have gone away from that game feeling absolutely robbed that they didn't get at least a point from it. Um, but I think we should be that we would be the happier side of the point. I think they'll be kicking themselves that they couldn't find a, find a way past us, which is credit to Sol Brin. I think he's been quality so far this season, which says a lot about the way we've been. I think he's going to end up being our player of the season, which is great for him, but also sums up the sort of where we're going this season. Something needs to change, um, whether that is players, more personnel in, or whether that's something changing in the coaching staff, I don't know. But it's it's, it's been a sort of rapid decline, if you say that Mansfield support performance where you thought this season's gonna kick start. That was the yep. squad coming together. That was our that was our um statement performance. And then after that, it's been fucking shit. <laughs> like it has been awful. And okay, the FA Cup losing four 0 to Stockport. I don't know how as well. Two months ago, we drew with them. Um, one or now, now we're losing four sides like that. Um, I know they've had a bit of resurgence, but they made how God knows how many changes for their league game in midweek. It's just been poor since. Um, and it he's critical as manager if he can get past the sticky patch. But I think we'll see where we are end end of December, going into January. Given at this point, because I don't think we've got much to lose now. Um, I think. We're sort of this league so tight. We just got to see where we get after the Christmas period for him. Well, it looks you like Kieran's going to be the one suffering with a case of uh, whether we're going with hashtag Woody's Wi-Fi or his Wi-Fi Ben with <laughs> tonight. That's if for did, sure. If I, if I just quickly, now I just saw you. There's always one. I just saw you pop a comment up about Fraser, uh, Fraser Blake Tracy. AJ, AJ Blake, Blake Tracy. AJ Blake Tracy. Um, do you know why he was our player of the match on Saturday? Because he was playing left back, which is his natural position, and that is the his best position. Why we've been playing him at left centre back the last three or four games, I will never know. Left back was his position. He owned that position on um, Saturday, and that is the reason we love Fraser Blake Tracy is because he does, plays that position so so well. And um, yeah, no, absolutely. Um, and and th- th- this is why, because we're, we're worried that we're going to lose him in January because he's obviously on loan uh, to us and everything like that. And we've both said ourselves, uh, Fifey, that he is a player that we need to be keeping and potentially mm-hmm. bring him back in on a permanent deal. Yeah. Um, he's, a, he's a quality player and he was absolutely outstanding again on, on, on Saturday. So um if he continues to play in that natural left back position, <clears throat> I'm not saying that, that uh, obviously he's a defender, so I'm not saying that, that the results are going to change, but we're going to be a lot more confident at the back. And obviously, we have been leaking goals of late, so you know, we need we need to we need to be playing players in their play and positions. And that's another thing that we've really struggled with this season this Lindsay putting the players in the right positions uh, rather than changing formations. Um, Nick, I may be clutching at straws a little bit here, but I'm trying, after the weekend we've had, I would like to find some positives where they can be found. Um, Hepburn Murphy coming back, um, still within touching distance of the playoffs despite our bad form. 
Is, is this the sort of crumbs of comfort we can take and just hope that we're, we're coming out the other side? Yes, because um, we do need some crumbs because they're uh, very sparse at the moment. Um, from the reports I've read in podcasts I've listened to, it seemed the performance was an improvement, albeit slight. Um, the game probably went as most people or most of us would have predicted before the game. Um, you know, usual thing, loads of possession in the in the first two thirds, nothing up front, didn't create anything, players afraid to shoot. From the outside, to me, it looks like we're far too nice. And you get all the pictures of the players, best mates and, and, and doing X, Y, Z and everything's hunky-dory. We need somebody in there to start stirring them up and start giving some, you know, serious bollockings out there because it just seems that there's nobody driving the team. Um, you know, go, going back a few years, you had Gordon Greer who drove it from reports on the training ground. Everything was 100%. He controlled the dressing room. They did what he said. He had that drive. He was a captain. Now, McDonald's back fit. He was on the bench, surprised he didn't start. So, you know, is he the man to do that? With his experience and the number of games under his belt, he should be. And if we can get that drive back. The other thing, we've missed McCurdy dreadfully. His drive, his passion, his shithousing, his getting the fans going, his upsetting opposition players, his goal scoring. That's that's what we've missed so, so badly. So, yeah. And there, and there are positives, like you said, Fifey. Uh, ridiculous, we're... We're two points off a of fourth, which on the run we're on, um, you know, we should be down below halfway. Yet we're only two points off a of fourth position. All right, there's teams got games in hand. Um, we're two points off of Mansfield with the same games. Um, we've got Northampton with third, Barrow with fourth this month. So, you know, either we're going to bomb and then we are going to drop down to halfway. Or if we can pick up points in those two games, and they are going to be tough games, we know that, um, providing they're on, whether Barrow's going to be on, depending on what the weather does, is, you know, that's a different matter. Um, and we could be back up into the playoffs easily. So, yeah, there's there's points there for the taking. It's just we just we need that drive. And uh, Lindsay said the, the, the team is struggling. There's sort of little or no confidence. Well, isn't that his job to get his confidence back up? Um, so, although someone did make a good point, in, in, and if you think about it, he said, was it better to get a boring nil-nil draw or lose an exciting game 3-2? You know, that one point could be crucial at the end of the season. And we all know what the odd point did last season on putting you either in the top three or in the playoffs. So, say, considering we've been on such a bad run, um, we have got a few players coming back from injury, so there are options. I was glad to see he went to back four. Probably his hand was forced. Whether he wanted to do it or not is a different matter. But I think we play much better as a back four. So if we can push on from that, say, from the info, it was a slightly improved performance, certainly first half. And um, listening to... Uh, our friends, low strangers, Dan Hunt, he'd give a good summary of it. And he said it, it looked like the weather in the pitch did affect the second half for both teams. It wasn't as easy to play on. Players were having to take that extra touch to get it under control on both sides, apart from Johnny Williams, who was, you know, showed his class and his skill level. So, 
yeah, there, there is a bit of hope going forward. But again, we're in another crucial month and every month's going to be crucial now. So it's what we do in these next three games this month. That That's going to determine a long way to what happens in January. And whether we change things, whether we get more players in. And like Steve said, you know, that centre forward ain't out there. It, if if he, he would have been snapped up already. So the type of player we need... Um, unless we're going to pay a lot of money, which we're not, just isn't there. So, yeah, may, maybe put your man in, Fifey, and see what happens. Give him a run. Um, Steve, this is going to be a bit wordy, so please bear with me. Um, but there's there's a couple of likenesses, and I'm not comparing the two, um, but there's a couple of statements that have been made and cliches that fans like to throw out um, that are very similar listening to Swindon fans and those who were watching England in the World Cup. Um, and Nick's thrown a couple of them in there. Swindon were, are too nice. We hear that England under Southgate are too nice. Um, players are afraid to shoot, the same as England players are afraid when they come up against other elite opposition. And then we have this comment come up as well, which I'll flash up on the screen from Dan. Is it a case of players seeing Lindsay as a player's coach and a mate rather than a head coach and a manager? Fans like to say these things when it's not going right. Are these things true? Like, are Swindon too nice? Is too nice a thing on the football pitch? I, I, to be fair to Nick, like, I think I was asked on the radio one day about um, recruitment and that in the, in the summer. And I, I think I said another goalkeeper uh, to compete with Sol Brin, a centre forward, as we've already spoken about. And I actually said a ball winning midfielder, someone who is going to um, break, break up attacks, who's going to drive the team forward, is going to show energy. So I, I totally get what Nick's saying. Um, he mentioned Gordon Greer. I can still remember Gordon Greer and Dave Lucas having a big fight on the training pitch one day. That was quite interesting. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I totally get what Nick's saying. It's Swindon is a, a technical-based football inside. But again, I am talking about League Two football and you need to be able to do both sides to the game. Yeah, um, and, and sometimes... A player in the middle of the park winning a big tackle um, stirs up not just the crowd, but it also stirs up your team um, and, and gets that adrenaline going. So I totally get what Nick's saying. And yeah, I I, I think it would be good to see that type of player within the, within the middle of the park. I think um, obviously at the weekend there's a, there was a few similar types of players in terms of physical capabilities playing out there. So it is a little bit samey. Um, and as I say, some days on a beautiful sunny day you know that might be all well and good but in the muck and when the bullets are flying at barrow away next week on a terrible pitch in freezing conditions um sometimes you do need a different type of player so i totally get that um in terms of afraid to shoot i'm not i'm not sure about that if i'm honest with you i'm not sure players would be afraid to shoot i think sometimes the team is looking for the perfect finish um the the possession based style of play and I went through this, obviously, at Swindon, then Forest Green, and obviously Swindon are still trying to play that way now. The whole ethos behind it, rightly or wrongly, is to dominate possession, is to try and create opportunities, is if you've got possession of the ball, you you know, obviously you're not defending as such. Um, and, and the ethos is to, to keep possession, tire teams out, work the ball into, into good areas of the pitch and then create your opportunities. When people talk about playing forwards and direct and everything, I get that to a degree, but I also don't get it in a degree in that I've seen it firsthand where 
goalkeepers I've worked with have been asked to sort of launch the ball forwards. And within 16 seconds, they're actually facing a save because they've gone long. It's not been one up front. It's been headed straight back down your throats. And all of a sudden, you're actually defending again. Um, and even down to academy football I'm working in at the moment, I've seen it and I've had conversations with the goalkeepers about it. So it might look more positive going long um, more than just playing at the back and building the ball at the pitch. But that doesn't guarantee that you're going to create chances just if you go long. As I've already alluded to, with the, with the type of players Swindon have got, if, if, if Sol Brin was just start smashing it in the channel, I don't think Swindon would gain no. the best playing no. that way. Well, we've seen that doesn't work as well, haven't we? Let's no, be honest. You haven't got the players to, to win the ball, to flick the ball on, to hold the ball up. So if you go long into Jacob Wakelin and Johnny Williams and players no. like that, they're going to struggle to play. So with the players you've got, I don't actually think it is the right method. I don't think he's, uh, Scott's got it quite right at the moment. I think some of the build-up play has been okay. As I say, I think there was quite a few opportunities, crew, and then even on Saturday where the ball was into wide areas, particularly Romeo Hutton. I thought he was, um, I thought he was, he was decent. Um, but the final ball in the box, the final pass, the final cross, just obviously wasn't right. So that final bit. Is not right at the moment. Um, and obviously that comes down to maybe a little bit of the style of play, but it also comes down to recruitment as well. Um, getting the right players in there. So it will be interesting. It'll be interesting. Just, just picking oh, up, on. sorry, Fifey, just picking up on one point you said there, Steve, uh, yeah. about the uh, sort of the hard man players. We had Gerald Eiffel on um, last week and his comment was, he loved nothing more than hitting a centre forward into the hoardings. And I think, and I think that's what type of player we're missing. Not like you said, it not only gets the team going, it gets the crowd going as well. And we just don't seem to have that that anymore. We don't want a team of those. You know, you don't want eight or nine players like that. You want at least one, you if not two. Garrett, you don't want to sign Bullock back then. Back in the <laughs> <laughs> well, if if there's another eight or nine technical players around him, yeah. So you know, it's uh, you, you need. I mean, the, someone made the comment. Um, but Anthony Grant, I mean, that season we won the league, he was the best player in League Two by, by a country mile. And he did all that hard, dirty work. But he was a player as well. So we had the best of both worlds from Grant when he, went, when he was in that team with Wellens. So, yeah, we just, to me, we just need that type of player in the side. Go on, Kieran. So I was going back to Dan's comment about his second part, saying about um, Lindsay, the player seeing uh, Lindsay as sort of a player's coach and a mate rather than a player manager. I think that there might be something in that because Lindsay did say uh, back at the fans for a couple of months ago, he was the coach last season. And when he's been the coach at the player, he'd put, be the one that puts the play, um, his arm around the players, looks after the players, be that sort of between the manager and the manager of the thing. And I think um, for some of the players that were there last year, it might be, it's, it's hard to see it's like your normal jobs if you have a mate that becomes a manager that becomes difficult for him to manage you um and because you, you go to his mates favors you do find it difficult is it in like I'd, i've had mates become managers and jobs and you find it difficult to see them as the manager rather than the mates there could be there's something, something in that because Lindsay did openly say he was the uh, one that would go around and put the arms around the players um which i think for some of them could be a big it's a big sort of leap having that one the guy the guy last year that put his arm around you sort of look after you be a jokey round mate telling you to fucking do it get in there and do it and sort of thing so there could be some 
that there could be something up for some of the players. Um, but obviously, we recruited heavily in the summer as well. So I don't think, obviously, we recruited heavily in the summer. There's quite a lot of new players there that would see him just as the gaffer. But maybe for some of them, i.e., Louis Reed or someone like that that's been struggling, um, there could be there could be things like that in there as well. And then uh, go back to one of Nick's point as well. I think Ben Gladwin runs that dressing room, not Angus McDonald, and he should have been our captain. But I think Ben, Glad- ben Gladwin's got a bigger say in there. I think Angus McDonald has he's ho- hopefully those two together could be like the Gordon Greer sort of type, Gordon Greer, Jonathan Douglas types drivers forward. They need to be the ones. They're two very experienced players. They need to be the ones getting in there, telling these younger lads, but being being their mates, but also telling these young lads push one forward, drive them, and get them through games like Jordan Henson did for England very very well many many games this tournament and was arguably one of our player of the tournaments. The problem I have with um, with Angus McDonald is that um, he was brought in to be a ball playing centre half and everything like that. Which he completely is not. He he. Whenever he <laughs> he's not. He just. He's an old is, school fucking kick yes. it out the fucking park centre yeah. back. He's 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 like a Gordon yeah. Greer and he's yeah. Gordon Greer actually. No, he's he's nowhere fair, near. Gordon. He's, he's not Gordon Greer. Greer. No, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, saying, I'm not saying. I'm not saying he's anywhere near his level. None none of these none of these squad are anywhere near League One level, arguably. Um, barely I disagree with that but, as well. <laughs> but yeah, Angus McDonald is a big, big old traditional centre half. Hoof it down the fucking pitch and clatter the fuck out of someone, sort of centre back. Not a yeah. ball playing centre back by any stretch of the imagination. And it's good to have that balance, but yeah, he, he, I just don't think he fits. Um, completely off topic. Though. <laughs> completely off topic for a second. But does anyone else get the feeling? I don't know if you can all hear it clear, as clearly as I can. But it's like Kieran's been put in the spare room to do this while there's a mad party going on in his flat. <laughs> <laughs> it's just really loud noise of people chatting in the background, and they're just Kieran in this little room. Um, Steve, you I can't mentioned. Even hear them. Can you not? Oh, I can hear it. It was so clear. Yeah, it's coming from somewhere, Kieran. <laughs> yeah. um, Steve Brin's been mentioned a, a few times there. And I just wanted to, to ask you, uh, not specifically about him, but just about goalkeepers in general and your experience, young younger keepers finding their way. What, what does it take to, to become that sort of top level, you know, EFL moving, moving further up the ladder? What does it take to, to get that far? I think... I think Sol, one of the biggest strengths he's got is um, he's got a very good mentality. Um, doesn't let things phase him. It's very difficult when they come into into the football league because I had it with um, Lawrence, obviously, at Swindon, Brad Collins at Forest Green, Dan Everson at Oldham, all sort of young, sort of 20-year-old goalkeepers coming out of 21's football, going into football league for the first time. And they come in with a lot of adrenaline and it's almost like a roller coaster ride. They come in with a lot of adrenaline and that buzz of playing week in, week out in front of a crowd and everything. And then after sort of playing Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, things can take effect and that inexperience kicks in and they'll have a dip in form and they have to try and get through that and then then come out the other side sort of thing. So it is quite difficult. But I think the thing that's impressed me most about Solbrin, apart from obviously naturally his performances, the saves he's made, is that... As a character, he doesn't seem phased by too much. Now, again, speaking to Mildy, speaking to Scott, um, I met him briefly. Um, Swindon trained before the Mansfield game. They came and trained at Coventry on the way up. Um, so I met him very briefly then. And he just seems quite a, a laid-back character. I know from uh, from speaking to the staff when was it the first game of the season, he took some abuse from some Swindon fans. 
wasn't phased by it at all. They checked as he came back in for the warm up. They sort of spoke to him, said, "You're all right," and he was like, "Yeah, what's the problem?" Sort of thing. He he wasn't phased by it at all. So for that to happen, like it was his first game for Swindon, and and not be bothered by it, not affected by it, and then I think the next game he bounced back and was excellent. I think is is a big part of um, the mindset and the character of a goalkeeper coming through. And I think he's been excellent. All the games I've seen, I, I think he's been, he really has been excellent. And and it looks like he's got the makings of a, a good football football league goalkeeper. And he'll go on to, you know, bigger and better things, perhaps, maybe back at Middlesbrough. But I certainly think he's he's been one of the signings of the season for Swindon. Um, you would like him to be not as busy, obviously. But the fact he's performing, um, keeping clean sheets and doing well is, is fantastic. But yeah, he, he's got all the makings of the trappings of, of, of going on to, to be a good goalkeeper. But it's not... It isn't an easy pathway. Um, and as I say, it's happening a lot now in, in the modern game where budgets come into it in that, you know, Swindon will probably get him either for free wages or a small proportion of his wages, which allows them to then put money into other parts of the team. But it is a gamble, but it's certainly paying off with the Sol Brin for this season. But you could you could have a, a Matty Kovar and it could go against you. You've had a Sol, Sol Brin this season, it's going for you. But yeah, so I, I've been really impressed with Sol Brin. He's, I think he's, he's been excellent so far. Just hearing the name Kovar and Rich's <laughs> reaction says everything you need. All flashbacks. <laughs> PTSD, though. Yeah, literally. Um, oh, this, God. this might be a, a, a slightly more difficult one to answer, but we've had a question sent in for you, Steve, from, uh, from Mike. Do you think the coaching staff would have benefited from having a slightly more experienced member of the team involved? What? So, like... Um... I'm trying to think of an example, a Lenny Lawrence type character, someone who's been around the game a lot longer to sort of sit maybe above or by the side of Scott to give advice. Is that, I, I presume that's what he means. I, I would say we, so, yeah. Yeah, possibly. It, it, it's very difficult. We can all guess about what goes on, obviously, in terms of experience within that coaching staff, it is not hugely experienced. I mean, they they do have experience in the game, um, but not maybe a, a Lenny Lawrence type character. I know Scott's also got another chap called Carl Lowerman who does a bit in, in terms of sitting in the stand and giving his opinions and views. He's quite well respected in the game, but not not a Lenny Lawrence type character who's been a manager for a number of years and now is in a director of football type role. Um, sometimes that can work for you, but sometimes you've got to give people opportunities in the game. And um, sometimes people who haven't had that experience will have more passion, enthusiasm and drive to try and want and to succeed in the game. And then you might get some that have just been in the game for so many years. They're just happy to sort of vegetate within the game, if that makes sense. So uh, it might help. It might not, it might not make that much of a difference. And I'm sure, um, and I'm sure, some uh, somebody like Scott Lindsay as well. I'm sure he's got his own mentors as well out outside of Swindon Town. I'm sure, like he's he's obviously um, an experienced coach in terms of uh, being an assistant other play, uh, places, and obviously um, academy coaches and everything like that. One, one of the so, things, one of the things he's found hard this season, and, and he said this to me, is not the not the coaching side of it. The biggest problem he's had is the actual amount of media commitments that he's got to do, which almost restricts... No, no. He works a lot of hours for the football club, trust me. 
Um, but what he finds out is like he is being pulled from pillar to post with he's got to do this interview and he's got to do that interview. And like one day he said, like, when can I actually do my job? When can I look at my next uh, opposition coming up? And, and so that's the one thing that he's learned more of, um, I think, this season, because he's, you know, he's at times in clubs he's been at before, even though he's been an assistant manager, he's done a lot of the work. He's done a lot of the coaching. He's done dropping players, talking to players, putting an arm around players, bollocking players. So he's done all those aspects of management if you like but probably the biggest part he hasn't had to deal with is is you know confronting the media day in day out you know match previews after match interviews everything like that and the demands that are placed on him for every interview going um and there has been times where he's just wanted to crack on and concentrate on uh, on next week's opposition um so that is that is one part that he has found hard this year and obviously the, the more he d- does it the more he's getting used to that but he certainly puts a, a lot of hours in um for the football club um, it's, all those, it's all, all those additional podcasts he's doing with Gabe Sutton, isn't it? <laughs> there is all sorts. There's every media you know outlet going now, isn't it? It's not just like Crazy. the BBC. There's, there's just so many yeah. media outlets that you end up being dragged into. Go on, Kieran. Um, on Steve Presley, that was the comment you put um, pulled up. There's nothing in it for Swindon. He's manager of Brentford Bees, and they got a couple of ads on loan to Wimbledon. So we're just going to kill some rumours there. <laughs> That's, That's nice. Yeah. Notes. yeah, I just. <laughs> Steve, on, on, the, on the... Not just... Oh, fuck. <laughs> wow. I dropped the bottle of Coke. <laughs> Sorry, Steve. As long as it was only a bottle of Coke and not Coke. Oh, man. <laughs> That's our new sponsorship. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Obviously, yeah. Steve, on, on the coaching side, do, do you think Scott's spreading himself too thinly with, doing, with all the things he's having to do? Um there was an interview with Nick Watkins and he said they Legend. interviewed uh, Gary Speed for the manager's job. And one thing he said that stuck out from what Speed said, he said, um, during the week, you won't hear me on the training ground. My coaches will coach the players to what I want. On a Saturday, you won't hear my coaches. I will be the one that takes control on a Saturday. So do you think Scott, because obviously he's, the reputation is a really good coach is doing that as much as he was before. And like you said, doing everything else that a manager would do. And he's spread too thinly across what he's trying to achieve. I'm not, I'm not too sure about spread too thinly. Obviously you've got Jamie and, and Gav there and Mildy. Um, so they've got a coaching team. Um, yeah. If you know, obviously, when he was the assistant under Ben Garner, he was out on a match day doing pre-match warm-ups, things like that. He doesn't do any of that. If you watch, obviously, Jamie and Gav and that do all the pre-match warm-ups, so Scott must stay inside the, the change room area and doesn't come out and do the pre-match warm-up. Certainly, when I say when they they travelled up to Mansfield and trained at our place, I stayed out and watched the session, and again, didn't do the warm-up part of it, didn't do the set pieces part of it. That was down to Jamie and Gav. But Scott went in and coached the, the like the eleven v eleven, the shape work and everything like that. So he concentrated yeah. on the, the middle part of that session, if you like. So he does he does obviously utilise and trust his coaches, Jamie, Gavin, Mildy. Um, but as I say, when it comes to the media side of it, you know, the, the, you know, the media guy is going to come to him. Can you do this interview? Can you do that interview? That that will generally tend to be Scott. I've not seen Jamie or Gav do any um, any media interviews. Yeah. Um, so I, I think he does utilise his coaching staff. Um, and, and as I say, you know, they have aspects that they have to concentrate on. I think Gav does a little bit of the defensive work. 
I think between Mildy and Jamie and Gav, they probably spend a lot of the time on the set plays. I don't think Scott gets too involved in things like that. So I think he does utilise his staff. And I okay. think in, in in the game these days, I think you have to utilise your staff. Yeah. You've seen yeah. a lot of teams will have not just a manager and assistant, there'll be a first team coach and goalkeeping coach and sports scientist and analysts and everything like that. There's all sorts of different um, staff members now within the game. And I think you, you have to delegate. And um, if you're going to employ people to do a job, then give them that um, give them that chance to, yeah, to do that. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, Rich, I want to put a question to you, picking up on something that Steve actually spoke about earlier, and it's this one that um, that Dan sent in. Um, are we too reliant on Hutton's crosses from the wings? Doesn't play to Wakelin's strengths as a forward, as most centre-backs are much taller than him, uh, to which Garth followed up as well. Hutton's crosses without a target man are aimless, looks desperate at times. Mm. Well, I mean, I think in terms of Hutton's crosses, I think... <laughs> Personally, I think Hutton's got the capabilities to to drive more further into the box um, sometimes and just put it on a plate, really, for Wakelin. And that's what he wants. And there's where most of the uh, Wakelin's goals have come from this season that, that just happens, really. Um, balls that have just been laid on a plate for him. I remember the goal that he scored at Doncaster uh, when we played Doncaster away. And... Um, Hutton literally just drove the ball into the box and Wakelin literally just tapped it in. Um, and I, I feel as if we've sort of drifted more away from that now and th that we are just lugging balls into the box. And uh, like they say, it's, it, it's just going into no man's land. It's going all the way onto the other side of either it's getting knocked away by the defence or it's going all the way on over to the other side of the box um, for us to pick up the pieces. I feel as if that we need to do something different now. And I I, I think I either get that target, man, I either bring in Adeloy uh, and see what he does with it, because Hutton is getting a lot of success from that side of the pitch. He, he's... He's our most productive he's, outlet, isn't he? Absolutely, yeah. He's he's beating every uh, he's beating every fullback that's being put in front of him, uh, and he's he's getting the ball into the box, into the areas that we need to be. We just haven't got that player that's able to put that away. And like you say, it's the strength. It's the strengths of the uh, the players that you've got. You've got to play to players uh, players' strengths. And if that striker's not seeing success by that ball going into the back of the net, or even seeing that ball, for instance, uh, for that for that matter of fact, it's it it, it it it's it's a part of the it's a part of the way that we play that is missing, and it's the all important bit as well. Is that final ball into the final third, and making sure that we've got that player to get that ball into the back of the net, and that that that's the game. And if we're not seeing that success, what's the point? So now it's time for something to be different. Now that's whether or not that's because Hutton's not going to be able to do that every time. He's not going to be able to drive and drive into the box because I mean, as much pace and as much stamina as we've seen him have this season, if he did that every single time. He would be absolutely knackered, and fullbacks would be just going in for challenges, and who knows, might might injure him as well. So we've got to be very careful, and we've got to be very protective of the players. And it's all about timing as well, whether or not he can get that ball into the box, whether or not it's right time to drive. So either we change that aspect of things, and I I don't encourage that we should, or 
we look at another outlet up front. I don't really want us to do that because I do think Wakelin is a solid player. But also, I think it, we've got to play to other players' strengths. And if something works without that particular player and somebody else can do a better job with it, we've got to do it. We've got, we've got to do it. We've got, we've got, to do it. We've got nothing really to lose at the moment because at the moment we're not scoring any goals. No, manager is not the ch- uh, change of manager is not the thing to do at the moment. No, I mean who? It's who, not. Who, it's who not. It's in, not the thing to do. Do you know what? Letting Lindsay go would be the easy way out. It would be. It would just be the easy way out, and there's no point. I did say at the start of the season though, if it didn't work with Lindsay, we've not lost anything. Okay, because he. And I don't say that. I, I don't want to say this, but he he was the cheaper option. Because, so what's a better phrase? Uh, uh, yeah, I'm I'm trying to think of <laughs> other words that I could probably. He use already for. knew the club option was the one that was sold sold to us. He already knew the club. Yeah. He knew the players. He knew the vision. Um, he was cheaper wages. He knew, but he knew Swindon as well. Exactly. He loved Swindon. He wanted to do his best for the club as well because he loves the club as yeah. well. And he's fair, he's been with us at academy level as well, so it's you know. To be fair, I like I don't I had nothing against Lindsay's Lindsay's appointment. No, I right. still still don't. I think he was people people obviously know joke say about the cheap option stuff, but with what we're trying to achieve, you need to, we need to have some sort of consistency. Now, manager leaving after one season in a project that was clearly going to take longer, and he'd clearly he said when he got that got the job, I reckon he was there to for a couple of years to help build a club of young players and, and had had a vision. Now, if someone's there that still has that vision um, mm. and still wants to buy into it, take a chance on him. I think we, I would, we'd take a chance on him for this, this whole season because, OK, what have we lost? OK, we're still in League Two, um, and if we are, but he, he would have learned as a manager and stuff. And then, obviously, if you question the start of next season... But I think mm. what we're trying to build as a club, we haven't. We need consistency. We need a manager. So we've already got we've got some of that with a manager. Although he's going to have different ideas to what Garner did, um, and and stuff like that. He's already, he's got he's he's bought into the vision of what we're trying to do as a club. Because you've then with what we're trying to do, you've got to find a manager that's got exact. If you've got rid of Lindsay, he's got to find someone with that exact same vision. Um, which I don't I don't think I genuinely think with all the candidates and some they didn't find someone that fitted exactly what. what what they wanted to do, which you've got to maybe use credit to them because they're, they're stick, stuck on their vision. And obviously, if it doesn't work this season, maybe revisit parts of it, the bits that mm. worked, the bits that didn't. What? And we're in people strong position also, for next year. People have also got to realise as well that Lindsay is first season and he's eighth in League Two. And we're one, we're one point off the playoffs. Well, on that point... By Christmas. On that point, I want to jump in and just say, and I, I appreciate it's being used to make the point, particularly you're trying to make here, Kieran, but we're talking like the season's over and the, and we haven't reached the playoffs or we're not going to get promoted. Like, we're just, we're halfway through December. There's still exactly. a long way to go. There's you a look at Bristol, and we, we've, brought, we've brought this up a lot before as well, and we look at Bristol Rovers from last season. I mean, they could have I'm sacked... I'm bored of hearing it. about Bristol Rovers. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. <laughs> you, you, look at, you look at Bristol, or you look at Bolton from a couple of years ago. But it, but it proves the point, though, that you don't need to sack a manager to get success. I mean, they were where? Where were they last season? 17th, 18th at Christmas? I think Fifey Fife, for me. Brought a few good players in. Well, Fife, I, I think what what the problem is 
with well certainly myself and a lot of the fans is what Lindsay said at the start of the season is we're All going to play well. a, attacking progressive you know fast football and we haven't done that it's been for most of the season I can it's hard to think of three or four games where it's been exciting football. Mansfield, absolutely brilliant. But most of it, and certainly in the last few games, fucking boring. You're, you're, you're sat that. watching it bored to tears. Now, if we if we were winning every game 1-0 and near the top of the league, we'll you know, supporters, uh, me included, but, you know, wouldn't give a shit. Yeah, we're fucking top of the league. Great. <laughs> but we're not. And, and yes, we're only a few points away from the playoffs, but he's not delivering what he said he would deliver. And then I think that's well, part of the problem. So it, without it, wishing to cover old ground, yeah. let me just ask you, is that his fault or is that Dean McKayley's fault? Because he, he is probably, that's what he wants to do and that's what he wants to achieve and that's the style of football he wants to play. But if the person responsible for the recruitment isn't giving him the players to do that, is that his fault? You got you got to get you got to put some blame on the players as well. It's, you, ha you have yeah. to. You have and it's, to. it's it's not going to happen overnight. It's I think he's going to be very. Uh, Wellens is a ma manager to look at as an example. His philosophy he, it didn't go down too well at the start of the season, um, or the start of his reign whenever he when when he was there. But his philosophy took a long time to be implemented on the players, get his players in, um, and took a long time to sort of click and get to that point. I think Scott Lindsay, with what he's trying to do, it will take a little while to click. Um, and he, he needs his he needs to get he needs to get a squad of players. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Fifey, that's, <laughs> Fifey, that's yeah, that's a real difficult difficult one to answer, obviously. You know, they say that uh, Lindsay gets like the final sign off of players being brought in. You know, whether you believe that or not a, a, a different matter. But to me it's it, the, the manager's got to have a really good say. I mean, we've talked on this pod in the in the past, and it's a pity he's not here tonight, Ben in particular, saying, you know, all the signings we've made in the vast majority, you know, they're really good, young, skillful, hungry players. And, you know, when they turn it on, yes, it's great, but we haven't done it enough. Now, is that down to when they cross that white line and get on the pitch? Is it down to how they're managing and how they're told they're going to play? Is it down to the tactics? I don't know. I'm not a coach. I don't know. I don't get paid the bucks for that. So, don't know the well, answer, mate. I'm, I'm very surprised at the comment that Woody's just put, by the way. No, it's flashing back up there. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 it's not something I would have expected Woody to say, actually. Well, Nick, you've just you've just said that you're not a coach. You, you can't say. If only we had someone of coaching experience, we could ask these sorts of questions. Who <laughs> <laughs> would that be, then? <laughs> I mean, I, I just want to flash this one up from Mike again for you there, Steve. I told you it was like chatting football down the pub. You don't get this nonsense <laughs> elsewhere. Um, I do feel sorry because we've got you on and we, we, we have this opportunity to tap into your expertise and then we just go off like we normally do on a rant about one thing or another and just sort of leave you sat there silently listening to us talking nonsense. But if, from your side of things, because you can see things from the, obviously from being in changing rooms and stuff before, do you kind of get a different view when you listen to fans just bickering like this and, and hearing where they're coming from? I, I think the difficult thing is from both sides of the fence is that 
as a fan, you you literally just see what happens on three o'clock on a Saturday afternoon. Yeah. What yeah. you don't see is what happens within the club, on the training ground, in the gym, behind the scenes, day in, day out. So you go there and you think, oh, why isn't so-and-so playing? And so you're not happy as a fan because he might be one of your favourite players. But you don't know how he's trained during the week. You don't know if he's been a pain in the backside. You don't know if he's turned up late for training. You don't know, actually, if he's carrying a niggle or an injury where he's not playing at the best. You're trying to, you know, shepherd him through games, but he's not playing at his best because he's carrying a niggle or that you might have to take him off after 60 minutes to manage his workload, uh, i.e., as was the case earlier in the season with your Johnny Williams, your Ben Gladwins, people like that, who have in their past had injury problems and you've not actually got them out on the pitch much. What I think the big credit should go to at the club is the medical and sports science team that they've got this year yeah. in that they've managed their workload so that they can get them out on the pitch more. Ben Gladwin has never, hasn't played as much football, um, you know, in the past as he has done this season. So you have to give credit to the medical staff and the fit sports science staff. I know they're really well thought of there. So my point is, there are lots of things that do go on in the training ground across the course of the week, um, which is a reason why a manager or a coach might pick up a particular player or a particular team or a particular formation. It isn't just about what you see as a fan on a Saturday afternoon. Why isn't so-and-so yeah. playing? So that is one thing I would say. Going back to the point that everybody beats Scott with the stick about we're going to play fast, progressive, attacking football and everything like that. All I would say to that is I've never heard a manager get a job and in his first interview say, we're going to be boring. We're not going to be very good. We might win <laughs> um, but yeah, we might win some, we might lose some. Every manager comes out with the same spiel. You, 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 your first few interviews, you're trying, to, you're trying to get the fans on the side. You're trying to be positive. You're going to say positive things. You're going to say... You know, you know what, what manager actually comes on and says, we're going to smash it in the channels. We're going to boot it long to a big centre forward. Nobody says that. Everyone says we're going to, oh, we're going to play, you know, beautiful football and play through the thirds. They all say the same thing. So I think it's a little bit harsh to beat Scott with that stick because it, just imagine he'd come on and say, well, I'm not really sure, lads, to be honest. I mean, literally... Literally, the opposite to that would be to appoint Sam Allardyce, and he would literally just say, "We're going to lump it forward, and and that's it. That's all we're going to do." Or, or our favourite non-manager, Steve John, Evans, John Sheridan. Well, indeed, indeed. Yeah, but he said, um, "Fuck all." That, that is true. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Um, you, you've only you've only been with us for 59 minutes, but already Woody has suggested, Steve, that you're more than welcome to go on again because you pretty much agree with everything he's said all season already. <laughs> who's this? Who's this Woody? Who's yeah. this Woody? Where, where's uh, Woody? He, where's, Woody? He, where's my Woody? <laughs> we we know where Woody is. Woody Woody gets uh, scared and intimidated when anyone other than a regular panelist comes on. So he likes to go hiding. Oh. He likes to go hiding when the, uh, the big again. guests come on. Getting biting. Yeah, he, he, he ain't got the bottle for it. We all know that. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, like, in, in all seriousness, uh, I, I've seen, been around enough football clubs now to see the the mentalities of some players, the characters of some players. Um, some players you think are fantastic players, technically gifted players, but you don't see what they actually do week in, week out. And some of the the things that go on and you think, how on earth are you a professional footballer with the way they act? <laughs> and they well, I'm being serious. Like, oh, there are some 
some poor professional football players out there that have got ability. And likewise, there are some players with limited technical ability who are fantastic um, professionals and make the most of their careers. Um, that's exactly that's exactly what Gerald said, wasn't it, when he was on the other day? He said it was all about professionalism. People forget that footballers aren't machines. They're not robots. They are human beings, just like me and you. And they'll have good days and they'll have bad days. And they'll have, they'll have had a fight with the missus in the morning. They'll have had a baby who's been crying. They might be feeling ill themselves. There's so many things that go on in somebody's life that has an impact on their job, just like any any industry you're in. So, like I say, what a fan sees on Saturday afternoon at three o'clock, they haven't seen what's gone on in the build-up to that game on the week. So, I, I, I because I've been a fan and I've worked in the game, I do see both sides to it. So, I was a fan on Saturday watching that game. I came away disappointed, a little bit bored, but... Like I say, I've also got, well, you know, I haven't been in that swimming dress room this week. I haven't seen what training they've been able to do with the, with the, you know, the frosted pitches and they might have struggled to get out on the pitch or you've got the 3G now at, um, at Foundation Park, which is good for them. But there's just so many variables. And what the other thing you have to take into account is we all concentrate on our team. There's 11 players on the opposition side of the pitch who are trying to stop you win yeah. and try and win themselves. So sometimes you actually have to give credit to the opposition um, that they've done a good job on yourself. There's so many variables that come down to how to win a game of football. So I, I'm not sitting here saying Scott's got everything right this season at all, um, but he's learned on the job. The team is currently eighth in the table, two points off the top four. They're ninth in the form table. Strangely enough, the, the home form, they're sixth. And, and, and they're lower down in the away form, whereas I think last season it was probably the opposite way around. Yeah. And there's still 25 games to play. So, uh, yeah, I probably am a little bit biased towards Scott, but I, I certainly think it's too early to be calling for someone's head. There's so many football clubs now that are just sacking managers left, right and centre. Yep. And, and I, d I don't necessarily think that works. It's a short-termism and hoping that um, you get a kick of results. But ultimately, if, if, they, if you got rid of Scott tomorrow, firstly, who are Swindon going to attract? And that's not being disrespectful to Swindon. But when the job was vacant in the summer... People will throw names like Michael Carrick out there. Absolutely pie in the sky. There is no way on this planet Michael Carrick was coming to Swindon Town Football Club. I'm absolutely convinced of that. So, you know, it's all right. I'll be honest, I was a believer, Steve. I, I oh, thought he was I, I, I wasn't. When I saw I believe in Michael Carrick, I thought there's absolutely no chance he's coming to Swindon Town Football Club. So, um, uh, you know, people talk about Scott being a cheap option. Nobody's told me what the wages are for the job. So yeah, we, we, don't, we, we don't know what, what Swindon could have paid for a manager. So I, I'm not sure about comments like that. It will it, be deemed a cheaper option because he was already in the building, because he's not a, a Paolo de Canio name, shall we say. Um, he's always going to get deemed as that cheaper option. And I, I've been quite mm. honest with him at the start of the season and said, like, the only way to get the fans around on your side is to win games of football. It's as simple as that. Because when you're winning, people love you. When you're losing, people hate you. That is, that's the nature of the game. Whether you're Scott Lindsay, you know, whether you're a name in the game, if you're winning games, you'll be popular. Yeah. If you lose games, you won't be. It's as simple as that. Um, I've waffled there, haven't I, really? But no, I, no. I, was just, yeah, I was just going to pick up no, on the, uh, the the whole thing with Scott Lindsay there. Obviously, I think uh, the reason I think we say that is because obviously he was still within the club and that no uh, amount of money would have had to be paid for. He, wouldn't, he didn't have like a release clause or anything like that. It was basically no. a promotion within the club. So I, I think that's more in light of what we're saying. We didn't go out to another club and had to pay some fee 
to bring that manager in and then give him the salary. I think the fact that obviously Lindsay was already within the club and it was basically just like a promotion really for him. And that's, I think that's where the whole cheap option is coming from. I don't, I don't think it's, I don't think there's any, I think maybe some particular people, it might be a, um, trying to think of the word now, um, a bit, more, more of a, it being attacked on him that he was the cheap option, but I, whereas I'd, I'd we're be, looking at it, I'd be surprised if Swindon were in the position in the summer where they would have gone and bought somebody out of a contract as a manager. I think yeah. whoever was going to get the job was either going to be Scott promoted from within, or it was going to be a, um, a manager out of work, and then yeah. you then you could question, well, if he's out of work, why is he out of work? Um, yeah. You know, you're not guaranteed to get success. There's a lot of journeyman um, managers doing the circuit and, so, you know, yeah. failed at one club and they've gone to another club. So I don't honestly know what the options were. Mm. Um, there was, I think the guy from Brighton was was close. Um, now, if he'd have got the job, you could argue, well, people have said that Scott's not got any experience. Well, yep. nor did the guy at Brighton. So what, what would you have benefited from that? Mm. I don't think people like Michael Carrick were ever really seriously in the running. Um, so I don't know many other managers with, of a reasonable track record that were actually in the frame for a job. Like I say, I don't, I don't think they would have paid compensation to another club to try and pitch their manager. So it would probably had to have been somebody who was out of work at the time. Yeah. I, th I think the, fr the frustration at the moment is that we had um, a battling draw at Bradford that quite a few of us went to, and, and, and that was a... Uh, a real good performance. Although, if you listen to some of our Bradford friends, they would have quite a different view on who was the better team. Um, we absolutely smashed Mansfield, and that was just phenomenal. But then, <laughs> since and then after that, S Scott switched to three at the back, and we lost or gained no points from three games. I think we lost three on the trot, um, mm. and it seemed, you know, why the hell did you do that? Mm. And and those games have been particularly boring. Now, like you say, there's a lot to do, obviously, with the players because they're the ones that go out on the pitch and perform that. But it's just that frustration of, you know, what we could be. And we have got bloody good players and we have got skillful players. You know, we showed it. We showed some fight at Bradford when we had to. We showed some lovely football at, uh, at Mansfield, which was just, you know, a different level. And then we dropped back into absolute boredom. And that's where it becomes frustrating. And then you get frustrated and you start questioning anything and everything. And, and you know, the worry is the crowds will start to drop. I mean, there was, it said, well, eight and a half thousand on Saturday. But I think that was including season ticket sales. Um, I think the, the actual numbers were probably a lot lower than that from the pictures you see with the gaps around the stand. So, and I know it was Christmas week and there were lots of other things going on, weather, Christmas shopping, England playing, etc. But, you know, that's where <coughs> Panto. We, we, we need to, uh, Panto. We, we, yeah, we, we need desperately these next few games to get something out of them. Otherwise, it, you know, this, the season could just dwindle and that would be the worst thing ever. What I didn't get was, is why did we fix it? And I, I've said this before, why did we fix something that wasn't broken? Do you know what I mean? I know we lost Johnny Williams because of the World Cup and everything like that. But the performance itself for Mansfield, I, I just don't feel as if that we needed to uh, we needed to change anything really in terms of formation-wise. I think, like you say, we had the players um, that could have easily done a job um, and that would, could have come in for, for Johnny. 
uh, when he went while he whilst he was off for the World Cup. Um, yeah, I, I I I just why like I say why change something that's not broken? And I don't know. That's that's the motto really. Um, I think also the, 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 I think the Swindon squad. I, I might be proved it wrong, but I think the Swindon squad is is very young as a, as a squad mm-hmm. as a whole. And as I mentioned earlier, when it came it comes to the goalkeeping situation, when you get young players, you talk about why things change. But sometimes when you get young players, what they haven't got in that experience is that their form will dip as well. So when you get when you pay more money, you get better quality. When you get more experienced players you're probably going to get a player that's going to churn out a 7 out of 10 out every week. With a younger player, you might, and I liken this one, talk about the young goalkeepers coming out of 21's um, sides, that one week they might be a 4 out of 10, the next week they might be a 9 out of 10, but you don't generally get a consistent sort of 7, 8 out of 10, which Seoul is actually providing this year. Um, But that will happen also with outfield players as well. So if you've got a young squad, there is going to be a dip in form across that course that season. It's going to be a roller coaster. Like I say, when you get a team or when you get a certain amount of experience within your team, they're the ones that you look to. They're the ones that do generally produce a 7 out of 10 performance week in, week out, because they've 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 learned what it's like to play in the league, to League 2, League 1, and, and you'll get a more consistent performance out of experienced players. There's not that many really experienced players in the Swindon squad, I think. So I do think that will play a part as well. And if you try and go in and get experience, that will cost you money as well. And I yeah. think I don't think has been the case with Swindon. I don't think the budget's been um, such that they can get the top quality that they need, particularly at the front end of the pitch, or the experience that they need to try and be quite solid throughout that side. So, there, like I say, there are many reasons why you know things are as they are. But I, I, I don't think it's doom and gloom. Like I say, there's 25 games to go. They're eight from the table. Um, but yeah, I also understand you know the form in the last sort of five games isn't what everybody wants it to be, and, and I'm sure everybody inside of the, the club will want it to be better than that. But yeah, it's um, this is why we love football, isn't it? <laughs> isn't it just... um, Steve, I just want to flash a comment back up from our friend Joe and, and ask you about the second part of it because we, uh, as a pod, have had lots to say about this for for months, if not going on into the to, to the two years we've been doing this. And it's just regarding uh, the, the section here, the mood and the atmosphere at the CG is awful at the moment. We Again, we've spoken a lot about the atmosphere at the county ground. What, what do you make of it when, when you're able to go? Do, does it seem yeah, I, quieter I think, than it should? 100%. Um, so again, obviously, I've worked for the club for nine years. I, I stood on the terraces as a kid. I stood on Stratton Bank with Bournemouth fans throwing rocks over. I've done all of that. And even like when Paolo was there, obviously there was a there was a big buzz around the ground. But certainly the last probably couple of seasons, I've been surprised how quiet it's been. It used to be the town end would get things going, and then perhaps other stands would join in. But I, I was listening on Saturday, and I think I probably once heard you know give us an S, give us a W. I thought it's probably I heard that once in the whole game. Um, so certainly the last couple of seasons. I haven't heard the singing. I haven't heard the vocal side to it. I don't. I, I don't know what I put that down to. Um, is it? Is, is it? Is it the way the world is going with young people coming through who don't communicate as well because they're on laptops and iPads and phones? I honestly don't know. But I would agree that I've that the atmosphere at the county ground over the last few seasons is nowhere near what it used to be. And I, and but I also get it's a it's a chicken and egg situation you need something on the pitch to get the crowd going 
But I think sometimes you need the crowd to get the players going. And people might say, oh, that's how can you say that? They're paid professionals, blah, blah, blah. And I understand that. But again, they're human beings as well. Just like we spoke about that ball-winning centre midfielder winning a massive tackle in the middle of the pitch, that's sparking off the fans, that's sparking off their teammates. I think it's it's the chicken and egg where, yes, they've got to do something on the pitch to get the fans going, but I also think sometimes the fans have got to do something in the stands to get the players going, if that makes sense. But yes, the absolutely. But the, 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 the issue is all, all the pl- players we've got are all fairly similar. And this is where we miss somebody like McCurdy. Yeah. You know, he got things going. He was a shithouse, yeah. but he was our shithouse. And that was great. And we yeah. haven't got that character, that driver in the side at the moment that will, 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 will make those things happen. There aren't many of those about, though, are there, really? No, no, they're not. I mean, there's one we'll probably talk about soon, I guess, <laughs> Fifey. That, uh, it's it's uh, on lot, the agenda, lot, yeah. lot in the uh, system at the moment. Um. Stephen, conscious that, that we've already taken up well, well over an hour of your time. And, and as I said before we started, you're more than welcome to stay for the entirety of this if you want to. But equally, we wouldn't be offended if you do want to uh, to get off and enjoy the rest of your evening. Uh, but I did just want to ask sort of what else is what else is going on with you right now? I know you were telling us that you've got a couple more of the radio commentaries coming up over the festive period. Um, yeah, so... Um... We're coming up for, I think this weekend, we break up with Coventry Academy. Um, not last week, the week before, I did a week out in Spain with the first team to cover for the goalkeeping coach. So that was a, a great week for me, um, working in the first team environment again. Uh, AD Vivash, ex-Swindon, obviously assistant manager of Coventry. So it was great working with AD. Um, yeah, so we've got the Christmas break coming up from this weekend. So I've got two weeks off, I think. So um, I'm booked in to do Warsaw at home and... Uh, Northampton away so I'm looking forward to that because I think the last game I did was back in September which was the Sutton game and um, just with again all my commitments I haven't had a chance to to do any uh, since then so I'm looking forward to, to getting back to the county ground and, and doing a couple of radio games with uh, BBC Wiltshire Sport Excellent, and we hope that we'd uh, we'd be able to invite you back again to to maybe talk about a more exciting game in the not too distant future. Then, <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. All. I've I've loved it. To be fair, it's good to um, see you all and uh, and talk Swindon. Apologise if I've waffled. I I do kind of carry away and waffle a little bit, but um, honestly, um, if, if you ever get the chance to see some of our other panelists, then then you'll really get to know what waffling is, <laughs> especially when asking a question, Ben. <laughs> 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 but no, uh, it's been superb. Um, a, a word on the uh, on the women's team as well while we're doing the weekend review that as with games up and down the country at all levels, uh, games were getting called off for, for frozen pitches and such like. Um, however, we did find out that uh, this coming weekend uh, there will be a um, a second round, the delayed second round plate game, and Southampton will be the opposition away from home. I'm sure we'll talk a lot more about that on Friday's episode. Um, sorry, Rich, did you want to say something there? No, no. Um, that, that was, uh, yeah, that was literally all I was going to say on that. Um, but yeah, no, exciting times for the women and hopefully they can... Uh... <laughs> Woody's inviting you to the Falls Russian meet-up at Northampton, Steve. <laughs> Is he paying? He'll be too busy. Oh, no chance. Uh, well, to be fair, mate, if you, said, if you said... 
there's a red player over there. And if you say you're coming, Steve, would well, you want to turn up? Let's be honest. There are some other STFC-related news stories I want to get to before we uh, we mull over what happened with England. And, uh, and we have to start with a very sad news that broke on Saturday yeah. uh, regarding Matthew Baldry. Uh, he stuck out a post on his Instagram, which then got relayed on Facebook and Twitter everywhere. Basically, that he has done his ACL. And he, I mean, the way he was talking in his post, um, he's pretty much sure that's it. And, and I know a lot of us on this podcast have been big fans of his. Rich, you, you were particularly sad when you saw the post, weren't you? Yeah, massively. You know, I think uh, obviously it's no nothing, nothing new. The fact that obviously Baldry has obviously had his fair share of uh, injuries, um, and even before he came to Swindon, obviously uh, when he was at MK Dons, um, you know he he massively struggled there as well. I think he only played five games for them in that one season that he was there. So, uh, and ever since he came to us, you know. Um, but he, he he was a he's a he's a massive character as obviously uh, from from what we've been told he's one of the the big ones in the in the actual uh, in the actual dressing room from what we've what we've been told uh, under the Wellens era and then everything that went on with Sheridan now obviously in the Ghana and India era so you know um, he'll be he'll be massively lost but um you know hopefully he'll be able to stay with the club in some capacity whether or not that's a coaching role or anything like that but uh you know I, even this season you know i mean i i think he was all very very close to packing it in at the end of last season yeah. you know and he, those last eight eight or nine games that he played um towards the end of the season that got us to the playoffs um you know you, you could tell that it was coming to the end for him or anyway but yeah. even this season, you know, I mean, uh, I think up until Stockport in the FA Cup, um, mm. he was having some absolutely unbelievable games. He came mm -hmm. on against uh, Doncaster for, for McDonald in, back in September. And, you know, he was absolutely excellent. Um, so, you know, um, yeah, he, he, is a, he is a top pro. He, he is fantastic. And, you know, he's going to be massively missed on the pitch. But praying I'm and hoping that the coaching will hopefully work out for him if that's what he wants to go yeah, into. Absolutely. I'm just going to jump in very quickly because I know Steve does have to go. Uh, so again, thank you very much uh, for coming on, Steve. And uh, it, to, to try and convince you, we've got everyone involved. Uh, Joe's messaged in uh, again, who is uh, hoping to join us at Northampton as well. She's making pigs in blankets for everyone, <laughs> if, that, if that's going to convince you. I didn't you. get mine on Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> So we're all working on it, but no, thank you very much. We hope that you'll you'll come and join us again very soon, yeah, and we'll, we'll talk about some word saver. But thank you very much for your time, Steve. We do appreciate it. Nick, let's come to you. On, let's come to you on Baldry. I think it says a lot for the guy that uh, great respect for him, like him, even though he's a Frenchie. After what oh. they did to us Saturday, so you know he was he was class player. Um, you know, as Rich said, he suffered a lot with injuries. Um, maybe it was a season too much. He was obviously on a high from last season. He was debating whether to sign or not, and it is just really, really sad how it's ended. You don't wish that on anybody. 
But um, I guess rather at that end of his career than at the start of a career that you get that injury. So, you know, yeah, good luck to him in what he does. Great respect for the guy, as I say. Um, I don't think I'll be cheering for the French, even though we like Frenchie. So. I think, he was, I, I think it was more disappointing than the fact that he got injured in like a development game as well. Yeah. A game that meant absolutely nothing. Meant nothing. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And he couldn't come off and like, you know, applaud the fans and everything like that. I'm sure he'll get that opportunity. There will definitely like, be a, a farewell yeah. address, wouldn't there? And, you know, I absolutely, absolutely love the guy. I mean, he, he was another shithouse. You could see that he used his social media to, to shithouse. I remember the whole thing. Oh, yeah. John Sheridan, John Sheridan back in March, you know, <laughs> that was absolutely hilarious. So, you know, that, that yeah. But no, I absolutely think he's a top, top player, top, yeah. top pro. Top man. Anything you want to add to that, Kieran? No, yeah, it's a real shame for him. Um, I think you got to give him a lot of credit because before last season when he sort of had his resurgence, everyone, a lot of fans were saying sort of fucking sack him off and get rid of yeah. him. He's, he's pointless. But he came out stronger, fighting fit and probably played the best football I've seen him certainly playing a Swindon shirt. Um, and it was it was a hell of a resurgence. And yeah, it, maybe it was one season too many, but when you, you had the sort of end of the season you had with him last year and you've got an opportunity, another crack at it, we'd all, you'd, all, you'd all go for it again. Yeah. Um, and it's a real shame for him because his commitment to the club as well, he could have, because I know there's rumours he's going to a club on the South Coast nearer to where he lives and he's driving up here sort of every week to come up here um, his commitment to that has been fantastic and I hope hope maybe there's a future for him at the club within a coaching role or something like that um, If you guys want anything to inspire you to uh, carry on delivering the great content that you have done not just tonight but but throughout the entirety of your tenure at Fools Rush In uh, the aforementioned Ben or should we say Jack uh, no, Ben would have finished work 22 minutes ago, I'm sure. Uh, he's uh, he sent us in a picture that he is currently watching us from his bed. So, <laughs> so oh, there you bless. go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, on, on a more serious note, we do obviously everyone, um, not just associated to, to Fools Rush in, but with Swindon Town and I'm sure all the other clubs uh, he has represented to send him the very best, wishing the, the speediest of recoveries and. and like Rich said, there, there will definitely if if this is to be the end, um, and and in such a sad way as you say, in, in a development game that meant nothing, there will certainly be a, a send off. I'm sure in the offing soon. Um, <laughs> Mike is is Woody going to join the panel now? Steve has gone. <laughs> what? Come on! What you to, what, to which Woody <laughs> said, I thought about. Uh, it. Right. <laughs> uh, he's he, he's less scared now. Um, well, guys, I've ch- I've managed to hold it off for nearly ninety minutes, but I suppose we're going to have to. There yeah, doesn't seem better than England did. <laughs> there doesn't seem to be an episode go by at the minute without this. <laughs> um, more rumor, suggestion, stories, whatever you want to call it, lies, truths, hidden secrets. You know, <laughs> however you want to dress it up. There, there's more. Tales regarding the uh, the return of the prodigal son and or non-return. Uh, <laughs> indeed. Um, let's uh, let, let's start with Kieran on this. Are, are you any more convinced it's going to happen? I'm convinced it's fucking absolutely not going to happen, and it's going to be absolute carnage on social media because you know Sandro Dimichelli is going to delete his Twitter account over this. I think because he might have <laughs> all these things about yeah, fucking why he's not 
not done. Oh yeah, I follow him. Um, oh. <laughs> I follow him. Yeah, I follow him just to see what he tweets. It's very inspirational. He's done fucking boring to be honest with you. It's not <laughs> um, Rich is now practically not, looking for him on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's like Sandy Andy McKaylee or so. Sandy Andy. Sandy Sandy McKaylee or something fucking stupid like that. Um, guys are prick. Um, anyway, so anyway, I got <laughs> I he watches this. I don't think, Char- Does I think he Charlie Austin, if I would love, 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 in some ways, Charlie Austin to come back, I wouldn't in other ways, because it, if it doesn't go well, it could slightly taint, well, maybe not fully taint because of how well he did, but it could slightly taint everything he did first time round. But I'd still never turn the opportunity down to sign him if it was presented to me as a manager or a director of football or an owner of a football club. Um, I really, really hope if he signs for somewhere else, it's not fucking Bristol Rovers because, oh my God, like that also, it doesn't ruin his legacy at Swindon because at least it's not Oxford. Um, but fuck me, if he signs for Bristol Rovers, it's just going to be, it just realise how shit we are and how badly we've fallen and even Charlie Austin can't sign but um, if whoever if it doesn't happen for the club whoever the fact that there's probably known that they had the opportunity to do so it's been very broadcast on social media fucking shoot themselves in the foot commercially it's great it's, it's what they want it might not fit into the model but we need a fucking target man poacher striker like he's ideal like get him signed whatever the ways are get his, get his name piece but, of paper know, write it down whatever he wants I've got something to is, say. Is, is, he, is he as capable in this system as Adeloy, Kieran? Fucking Adeloy. What's Adeloy <laughs> done in the fucking game? Charlie Austin's played in the fucking Premier League. He's a proven goal scorer. Adeloy, fucking, he can, he's not even fit to lace his boots up. In fact, if Charlie Austin signs, Adeloy has to go up the fucking changing room, has to drive him into training every day, has to clean his boots and fucking lick his socks dry. <laughs> uh, Kieran, uh, sorry, no, Rich. Let's try this again. Rich, you wanted to jump in. Yeah, no, I was just going to quickly say, you know, I obviously as I, I want Charlie Austin back. I, I would love to see him um, go out in a, in a Swindon shirt for one last time, you know, uh, even if it is for a few games, uh, even if it's just off the bench, really, doesn't really matter. My only concern, and actually I spoke to one of my mates the other day, uh, earlier today, actually, and he's a Man United fan, um, as well as a Swindon fan, but he... Uh, I think he's getting a little. I think a little bit of PTSD because he's seen everything that's happened with Ronaldo. Now I'm not saying Charlie Austin's going to be anything like Ronaldo. <laughs> he's better than Ronaldo. <laughs> <laughs> but if you get it, you know he went back to United. It didn't work out. He left on bad terms, you know. And if it didn't work out for Charlie Austin this time round, would we destroy everything that he once built with us? No, you know, I I wouldn't. I don't think it is, and I don't think it's the same. And bearing in mind, we're not fucking Premier League. It's not as if he's coming. He's gone. Yeah, let's, let's be honest though. Let's Premier League again. Let's be it, honest though. Despite to everything, league, to league two. Everything that's happened in this last twelve months, the majority of Man United fans would still say Ronaldo is the best player they've seen play for them. Oh, of course, absolutely, one hundred percent. You know, he's he's. He's he's not in that category with Messi for no bloody reason, you know. I mean, obviously, he started off his career at, uh, uh, well, obviously, 
he made his mark at Man United and then built his way up to Real Madrid, etc. and stuff like mm-hmm. that. It's the same with Charlie Austin. He started off that bloody conference pool and then came to us in League One, then Great got his same. great and big move up to the Championship and then the Premier League. So he's worked himself up. The the whole going to Australia thing, I'm, I, I sort of think it was a bit of a midlife crisis, maybe. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> either that. Either that or he just wanted a holiday. Just, either, just either. to clarify, just to clarify, either midlife crisis. Charlie Austin is how old? 30. 33. Right, so he's... If you only lived to 66 and he's midlife, we don't know how long he's going to yeah, live. Exactly. Not, so so Charlie Austin... Charlie Austin is literally the age I'm going to be in a month's time and you're well, saying midlife crisis. You mid-20-year-olds... Might be this podcast is your midlife crisis. You mid-20-year-olds can all go fuck yourselves. Don't he's only just got him. <laughs> I'm glad he didn't ask Steve what his job was. So you're a goalkeeper, no? <laughs> <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> Ridiculous, Nick. Let's get some sense of uh, uh, <laughs> let's get some sensibility back in this conversation, please, before ju- juniors take over. <laughs> yeah, let's let, let's get the oldies in now. Let's get the oldies in. Right. Um, to sign Charlie Austin is an absolute no-brainer for, for, for a number of reasons. One, he's the shithouser we need. He's the dark arts we need up front. Just think, we've got Wakelin, 21. We've got um, Jepcott, who's, I think, 22. Think what he could teach those two forwards. So, so much. He would put minimum of a thousand on the gate. Um, that's what's that 25 grand if he puts a thousand on the gate. Financially, it will be a massive benefit. His experience will be a, a massive benefit to the team. He will get the crowd going. And I don't know if any of you have seen it, but um, there was a clip of him having a massive bust up with the center half at Brisbane. Oh, superb. And that's what I say when we are too nice. That's what it needs in that fucking changing room. You know, what did he say to the bloke? Clear the fucking ball. Just fucking clear it. That's your job. And And they were going hammering towards each other. He wouldn't have a problem and, with Angus McDonald and that because he does clear the ball, but Scott Lindsay tells him not to. He well, tells him to pass it nicely. <laughs> yeah, I mean, at, at the moment, like like we've said, and and um, there's been you know lots of talk tonight about the way we play and 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 it's been fucking boring and everybody's just unhappy with the club. And once you start getting into that 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 level. Crowds start dwindling. Charlie Austin would give us the boost we need at the moment. It's say it's we're missing the McCurdy bit of uh, shithousery. And not only that, he's a fucking good footballer. He's a proven goal scorer. And even with shit balls into the box, he will score goals because he will know where to be at that time to take that ball and make the space in the six yard box to score. So there's not. A, a, to me, a counter argument on bringing him in. All right, he doesn't fit the model of bringing the young kids in, um, in, in developing them, in selling them on. But you don't need 11 of those. We've got seven, eight, nine of those in the team at the moment. That's all you need. And yeah, bring Austin in to be that extra bit of experience, shithousery, and it, it would be magic. 
in just just fucking do it please just do it at this point in time it's more about a team effort rather than individual players and sometimes you need to have the players that fit the mold that can build the team round and to have austin up top to have all the other players to have an incentive to get that ball into the box for somebody that has proven that he can finish the ball in and put it in the back of the net is something that we do need. And I completely agree with you, Nick. I really yeah. do think it. And like you say, it would be a it would be a statement signing to have Charlie Austin to come back. Be a hell of a statement signing, and it, I think you say it will bring it bring he brings a lot to the table other than just playing on the pitch. It'll bring a lot into that dressing room. Um, mm. I see there's rumours going around that Scott Lindsay's that's something that's potentially a rumour that some of the management team are worried about. Um, that he's a bigger personality than them and will take over that. But sometimes sometimes you need them. Um we had, say, Harry, McCurdy. We had Harry McCurdy last season. Fuck yeah, but he's not he's not he's he's I, he's yeah. a different kettle of fish to and true, you've got to look true. at why he was shipped off. But he's Charlie Austin's your old school will come in and call you a cunt. He he'd probably be scared to call Scott Lindsay a cunt if he was being a cunt. Um yeah. but so he's he's not afraid to go in there. He'll he'll have bust up everyone, but that's so really so good. But I think he could also be a pretty good impact player from um <laughs> good impact I mean I mean can can you imagine if he came back that 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 first game at the county ground, what it would be like? I mean, the whole, oh, honestly, it like would put that many on the gate and, oh, and the place yeah, would be rocking. And, and that's what I we need will, at the I, moment. If he comes back and gets, I will get a fucking Swindon shirt, Austin on the back, whatever number he wears. He there you are. In, in hundreds would do the same. I'd second that so, as well. So, yeah. fucking 100%. Sandro Dimichelli, if you're fucking you know shitty little Excel spreadsheet, or if you if you're not been funded properly, <laughs> you Google Sheets. Sheets. <laughs> it's probably a Google Sheets one because he can't afford the Excel Just put pound signs on. Just put pound signs on that spreadsheet. It's the one yeah, Austin yeah. would bring into the club. The thing is, Clem would probably get his money back just as well. More it. than. Yeah. More than. Yeah. And you know, even if it was just the same. Say that, even lads, if, but think even about if it realistically. That's why they restocked sit- the club shop. That's why they yeah. restocked it. It's going to get him fucking Austin back. He's coming out. <laughs> <laughs> That's He's the time. Out. That's why they've got the money. As much as I love the excitement, let, let's just clarify. He would make his money back in shirt sales alone, right? So shirts are what, 55? No, not shirt sales now? alone. Not that, not, not that with, much. With, no, with, yeah, but you'd get the Think of mugs with Charlie Austin's mug on it. Think of flags with Charlie Austin's face on it. Think, Think big. Of, you can, yeah, you, all the merchandise you can produce with Charlie Austin. Programs with Charlie Austin in it. Fucking shirt signing. We, we could have an Aussie pasty. Yeah, Calmeadow is going to get. Oh, cal- fuck Calmeadow. Fuck, fuck Calmeadow. <laughs> Ship Mart on loan. Fuck him off. Um, Feed the no, cow. Sorry. Um, Feed the oh, cow and he will score. Because no. <laughs> they all, the, all this excitement and then tomorrow and now it's Charlie Austin signs the Bristol Rovers. Oh, don't. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> I'd give up. I'd go sport. To Bristol be fair, Rovers he hasn't actually even us. terminated. I know his. I know his contract's being terminated by Bristol. And still hasn't been done yet. So uh, he's still waiting. No. <laughs> he's probably sat there like come on I want to go come on yeah. uh, one one thing I can assure everyone is Kieran hasn't had one too many today uh, man's that just shows how bad Coca-Cola is for you <laughs> it's Coke yeah. Zero as well it's not even any sugar <laughs> <in there. laughs> it's just working from home you don't get to speak to many people all day so it's like, you get excited you get a bit Kieran's seen some faces and got all excited <laughs> <laughs> Uh, what was this one from Shaw? Des Calendar, the club shop Saturday on sale display was on month with Charlie Austin. Wow. <laughs> there we go. 
So let, let, let's do, as we as we seem to do every episode then, quick straw poll, as we sit here now, do you think by, well, do we think at some time this season competitively, Charlie Austin will have a Swindon shirt on, Rich? Yes. Oh, I'm sure you said no every time I've asked you so far. Nick? Oh, heart yes, head no. Sorry, that's a cop out. Yes, fuck yeah. it, yes. Okay, Kieran? No, I don't think we will. <laughs> After all that excitement. Yeah. I, would, I, would love to, I would love to, but we've, we've, I would love to, but I just think there's there's things that are going on we don't know that it's not going to... There's lots going on we don't it's, know. It's, it's not going to be as easy as it sounds. <laughs> never, never we know never fuck reason. all. Kieran, we know fuck all, let's face it. Yeah. <laughs> we certainly aren't <laughs> earning the know the count, are we? No, no, no. no. Well, who's joined in uh hope you are well sir um shall we move on then we've had our say on charlie in fact let's uh i just want to do a little bit of housekeeping while we're here we mentioned them um in the episode on friday um we posted the links out as well but just a reminder if you can and you're el- and you're able to there is the swindon christmas appeal that was was referring to uh, a very worthwhile course all the links and stuff have been promoted on our social media and uh, and then joe also mentioned to us about and this picture isn't quite as big um but the uh, community foundations food appeal uh, that is also still going on this week. So if you are able to help either, both, any, um, then please do very worthwhile causes, helping people within the community. Um, let's go on then um, to our final topic of tonight. They're coming home. Or in fact, I actually think they are home now. Um, England are out of the World Cup after defeat to France. And... It has to be said, gents, our our WhatsApp group is normally a, a hostile place after Swindon lose. But my <laughs> God, did we argue about England. <laughs> um, needless to say, um, to, just to paint the picture for you, for those interested, um, I got in just as the ha- the first Harry Kane penalty went in. Um, to, to put in perspective the atmosphere in my house, uh, the sofa just beside me here is where I was sat. My, my son was on the, the other one over there. Um, I looked so, so miserable that at full time, my son doesn't like football, but he sat and watched the second half with me with his McDonald's. At full time, he took his blanket and his drink. He walked up the stairs and I found out today he texted his mum to say, I think dad's going to cry. <laughs> <laughs> So that that's the mood in my house. Um, I mean, for, for me, uh, and you'll you'll all get your say. Uh, I'm going to throw it out there. there. There's been a lot of stuff, particularly in our WhatsApp group, that's been said that I don't agree with in the slightest. Um, I think, from what I from the bit I was able to listen to and from what I watched, we were definitely the better side, particularly in that second half. Um, I think we were unlucky, and I think it, it's frustrating to be out. Uh, and it's upsetting to be out because I genuinely did believe, like, I, I'm the eternal optimist. Every tournament since 98, I have believed that we will win it. But the last three, I've genuinely, like, it's not been hope, it's been genuine belief. Um, and uh, and I, I believe, 
I do think that losing to France hurt more than losing to Italy. Um, and I, I appreciate that's weird because that was a final. But we lost on a penalty shootout in a game where we weren't particularly good. For me, mm. France had the one opportunity in the second half. They took it. All the talk pre-match was about Mbappe. Virtually non-existent. Um, and, and I genuinely thought this was our chance to be world champions again. And and it's just not quite happened. Um, the the accusation that, that kept going around that England bottled it, I don't think is true. I, I think you can lose and not bottle it. I think the fact that we've gone toe-to-toe with the world champions and outplayed them um, suggests it's not bottling, it's just unlucky. But that, that's just my perspective. And, and as we say all the time, football is all about opinions. Um, I know Rich is waiting to say, I told you so, so I'll go to Nick first. <laughs> Cheers, Fifey. Uh, yeah, I mean, I've I've seen massive disappointments over World Cups in in, in European Championships. Um, this was probably one where I wasn't as upset that we went out of the competition. Yes, we played well. We went toe to toe with France, the world champions. We should have beat them. We had decent opportunities. Um, a couple of saves from Larice, who I thought would be their weak link, but fair play to him, he wasn't. He actually played well, um, and obviously the the penalty miss was just just soul destroying. Um, so yeah, not as disappointed. We've got it, and we talked about young players. It is a relatively young squad, a young team out there. There's a few old heads. Um, say Kane should have scored the penalty. I did say before the game. I said it'd be 2-2 and we'd win in extra time. If he'd have scored that penalty, would it have happened? Who knows? If yes. buts and maybes. I believe if the game had had an extra five minutes more additional time, we definitely would have scored. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, Maguire should have scored one from that header. Yeah, put that it was on the side of the post. Should have scored that. Uh, Larice pulled off a, a, a you know, really good save um, from Bellingham. And that was going just under the bar. So, we, you know, we had our chances. You know, you, you can't take away. They scored two decent goals. And there's lots of talk about, well, it should have been a free kick on Saka, but that was by their penalty area. They had the whole length of the pitch to go before that chance was made. So you can't blame that on anybody. But um, we didn't close the guy down quick enough. He got a shot away. Um, I see there's been a bit of criticism. The keeper um, could have done better. Yeah. You know, that's that's debatable. Um, it was a good hit into the corner. Uh, their second goal, um, superb. Um, great cross, great header. Yeah. Um, so you can't really argue against that. We, yes, we 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 were unlucky. And say, so you know, at the end of that game, I was saddened, but it wasn't like what we've seen in the past that we've been absolute shite and we haven't played to our potential. Right. And I know there's been a lot on our on our um, WhatsApp group that we bottled it. No way did we bottle that game. We went toe-to-toe and, and you know, you bottle it because you're not... To bottle it, it means you're not brave enough. We were brave in that game and we pushed France all the way. In that second half, they were backpedalling all the time. Nobody stood out for them that second half. And like you say, Mbappe, what did he have? One decent run against Walker. Um, in the second half when he, he he did him only just, but he did him. 
and that was about it from him to be re- to realistic. Griezmann, I thought, was the main player for them. Thought he had a hell of a game, and he based to me, he ran the show. Um, again, it was been said, were we too nice? Um, they were in that first half. They committed so many fouls and got away with it, and we were letting them do it. Should we, you know, put the boot in a bit more, bit a bit more uh, streetwise, bit more of the dark arts? And again, that's a learning thing for young players with all those young players in there. The future looks good. Will they continue to develop? Who knows? A couple of years' time, Europeans, yeah, we've got every chance. But we'll have as good a chance in that as we've had in this World Cup. Disappointing, you know, I think for quite a few uh, days or weeks leading up to it, people have said the winner of that game will win it. And sadly, they're probably right. I um no, I, I completely agree. I, I put in our group that I, I was worried that, that that was the best chance we were going to have. Um, and then Woody said, I think I'm pretty sure it was Woody. Ben Ben made a point of posting half the squad's ages and realizing like so many of them are still so young. They just yeah. seem to have been around forever. Uh, Woody turned around to me and said uh, something along the lines of. Um, it's all right. It just means we're going to win the Euros instead. And I was like, I, I feel really defeated right now. But uh, yes, in two years' time, hopefully we're still doing this in two years' time. And I will be absolutely saying with Waza, probably again, <laughs> HMS Pistacart, it's coming <laughs> yeah. It's coming home with the Euros instead. Um, Kieran, I wanted to ask you about a couple of the comments we've had in as, as to lead you into the conversation. I flashed up the one um, from... Uh, regarding uh, Bellingham will be better than Zidane was the comment that was made in the chat. And uh, just to flash Joe's up here as well, which uh, which I think a lot of people, and, and I'm not using it as an excuse, but it is factually accurate. The referee was fucking awful. The, re- the referee was fucking awful. Um, they weren't all, the quarterfinals had two of the worst refereeing performances in the whole cool. tournament. They had, they had that Argentina... Fuck me! He lost control of that game. A referee at the top level, even though they got made to look like a Sunday league game, like it was not quite as bad as Battle Nuremberg, but it was just all over the fucking shot. And he lost complete control of it, and it was just carnage left, right, and centre. He was that was that was. I think his performance was slightly worse than than the referee on Saturday, which says a lot. But still, the referee was awful, and he needs his bank account checking to see. Who worse than Trevor Kettle is the question like, there, Kieran. Worse, worse than Trevor Kettle. No one's worse than Trevor Kettle. Yeah, but, 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 yeah. Kieran, did you read today that the referee is still on the list and he could end up doing the final? Yeah, they haven't, they they haven't sent Michael him over. They've sent, they've sent Michael Oliver home, but they and he was Michael absolutely brilliant. Wasn't he? Of, uh, Michael Oliver, I rate Michael Oliver as one of the best referees. He was really good. The game I saw him referee, referee. he was really he's, good. He's 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 a very good referee. I they think, they yeah. sent the guy that um, ref the Argentina game home uh, the other, uh, today, though. Thank fuck for that. <laughs> 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 fuck me. Oh, Sixteen. Oh. Yeah, they, 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 yeah, they ran out of cards. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he ran out of space in his book. He couldn't send anyone off because he, he did. There, he sent them. Pretty, he's, 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 he's still writing his match report. He's still sat there writing the names of the players. He's still writing that down. But no, um, the referee was awful, but you can only blame so much on him. But I think it's a problem where you have a South American referee um, into European teams games. The European game is very different to that. And I think 
that has a bearing, but you can only ref you can only ref what's in front of you. I don't know. But yeah, he wasn't he wasn't the greatest. Um, like he, I think as well the safety net of VARs. Like Harry Kane's second penalty was uh, the second penalty was an absolute stonewall. I, I mean, that is a stonewall penalty. He he could he could have seen that in real time from where he was. Like there's no if buts, and the linesman should have seen it because the safety net of VAR. He walks away in five minutes, so we've got a longer time screaming at our telly. That's a Penalty, honestly, so much stuff and was flying around we, my living room. We, we, I was like getting closer to it, I was knocking some Christmas tree over. It was all we, the, their dad was up on the sofa, fucking getting forward. The kids were just like, they're like, What's happening? Um, it was, and so I think that's that's sort of killing it a little bit, but it was. It, we, we performed good. Um, we played we played well, but I think France, that's the difference between us and France. They've got the experience of winning a major competition. They've got the experience of these big games, and they just the, it's moments. Games are won by moments. And this World Cup has been little bursts of teams doing stuff to get into the game. Holland had 15 minutes in the whole game the other night that they were actually decent, and they got a two-all draw and took Argentina to penalties. I'll be honest. I, I thought when Rashford stood over that free kick, they oh. were going to try and do what Holland did. Yeah, I, Michelle, that, I don't. We should just lumped everyone out there. Um, but for me, we made a mistake. Harry Kane. I know he's a really good. He's a good goal. So to take two penalties in a game is fucking pressure, especially against your club keeper who know who sees you every day in training for a long, long time. So that second penalty, he's so that second penalty, he's overthinking in his head, and he was going left again, but going higher. Um, it's clear that he goes right to his right, keepers left every time in training, because that's where Larice went twice. So he's already not taking the penalty he's normally taking, or he's been expected. Yeah, but the thing thing is on that, Kieran. Let's it's it's, it's great in hindsight. You, you think if Kane didn't take that second penalty, someone else may well Again, a, they would say he's bottled it, he's captain. He's the penalty taker. And B, it's five. He said, somebody else missed that. It would have been absolute slaughtered. Mm -hmm. So I don't think he had any choice but to take that penalty. And and let's also, on that note, it's also worth saying, and here's the hypocrisy of football. I sat there and I said, Brazil got everything they deserved by being eliminated because you've got people like Neymar who think they are fucking in the world's elite and he is not even in the top five players in his own fucking squad. But you've got players like Neymar actually shitting themselves and not taking a penalty. Yeah. I don't know if it was that, though. I, I, I think they were just trying to be clever and I think they just wanted him to score yeah. the winning penalty if it got to that point. I'm not. Yeah, so he was sure. Harry, Kane, Harry Kane yeah. absolutely takes the first penalty for England in a shootout. I'm not saying, but other, yeah. other, teams, other teams do it differently, though. And obviously, Neymar is the kind of person that would Neymar's want a all the... I, 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 yeah. Neymar is I'm sure he's a nice guy. Yeah. All the glory. No, he's a great. There's a lot. There's a lot of Brazilians that are twats, especially that referee. Um, but on Eng- on England, it was hindsight. Like we, if Kane takes penalty or not, we've missed it. We've not won the game. We've probably had we've had other chances. We could have scored another goal yeah. in various mm-hmm. different ways. It can't all be pinned on that. That is a moment where you've got one of your best chances to score because yeah, it's a penalty. But We've had other chances to win the game, and it's and that's just an unfortunate moment of it. But ultimately, I don't think we've bottled it, but we cannot no. say this tournament has been a success because we have gone the least far we have in the last three tournaments. We, we've we've played all right. We haven't we've, we 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 limped it at times. Like the group America game was fucking poor. 
Um, the France game, we've played all right, but we've still lost the game. We're out of the tournament in a quarter-final. I don't think it, we've done all right. I think the um, phrasing is we've met, think, the, the, we've met the minimum expectation. My minimum, well, my yeah. minimum expectation is get to a semi-final um, <laughs> again. But I think it, bear, we've met the bare minimum. If we went out of the round of 16, I think that would have been... That's a failure. You can really say. But I still, I st- well, I st- as I said the other day, unless you win a tournament, 209 teams in the world fail at the World Cup because they don't win it. Um Obviously, there's more. There's, I'm including the qualifiers there, but they failed by not qualifying in the first place. But every team in the I think Even Scotland teams, 32 teams, <laughs> Scotland, Scotland failed when they tried to play football. They just are fucking useless. Same as Wales. Um, so Ireland. Um, <laughs> it's funny. So I tell you what, Irish people, short memories, all, all fucking cheering in the pub in Ireland. But how did they get stopped going to the World Cup? Um, well, so it's, it's funny, actually, it's funny you should say that, Kieran. <laughs> Jonathan's done this in Scotland not, shirts. <laughs> not, not the only time um, France have fucked over a team. Go on, Rich, you've waited patiently. Now, yeah, England team to get, now England seem to get fucked over by France, so I think it's uh, level pegging field a little bit now, so I think I can take uh, a little bit more stress off that. Um but yeah, no, just in terms of the England game itself, like, you know, I think I, I, I thought both teams played a good game. You know, I think both teams sort of, you know, they, they were they were fairly open. You could see both teams wanted to wanted to win that game, obviously. And, you know, I, I do think England was probably one of their better performances, actually, out of this whole World Cup mm-hmm. uh, and probably one of the most convincing ones. But the quality that France have just in like small moments, like, you know, are the type of moments that will pick a team apart and they'll they'll just take their chances, you know? And I think that's the one thing that France did on Saturday is that they took their chances and England had their chances and they didn't take them. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? But that's football for you. That is life, you know, and it's not always going to go your way. It never does, and in England's case, it never really has done since 1966. So, um, but I think in terms of that, though, I think. Uh, <laughs> but in terms of that, though, I think um, just admire the absolute class of Olivier Giroud popping up with that header there. And you know what? That is something that he specialises in doing. You know, he's done that for club and country. Yeah. Everywhere he's gone, and Drew is criminally underrated. Like, he is massively, he's so massively he's And do you know what? I, well, cr- like... I have criticised Olivier Giroud so much, and do you know what? I'm eating humble pie right now because actually, I look at the kind of goals that he scores. All his goals seem to be the exact same. But why, why are they exact same? Why has he got such a great goal-scoring history for club and country? He's now France's leading goal-scorer, you know? And he's not even always a starter for France. A lot of the time he has come on uh, in games and he's already making an impact. I mean, and that uh, that cross by Griezmann was just oh, on it. That, that was just on it. That was Olivier Giroud-esque. That was perfectly this- on his head. And you know yeah. what? Not even the bet, and I know so many people. I mean, I'm not Stones and Maguire's biggest fan, but not even. And I know a lot of people, you know, blow smoke up their ass and stuff like that, thinking that they're the best things in size spread. No defender, though, would have stopped Olivier Giroud coming in for that header 
that was I, I don't want to use the word, but that was perfect. It was perfect, and nothing was stopping that. But good, for, good on England getting back in the game. They didn't let France, you know, run away with it in the end. Mm. England still kept on pushing. They kept on pushing to the final minute, and they had their chance, obviously, with the second penalty. Okay, it didn't go the way it was hoping to. You would have thought. Kane hit that first penalty so convincingly in the top corner. You thought he'd be able to replicate that for a second time. And do you know what? I thought he was going to do that. I thought he was going to absolutely smack that into the top corner or into the top half of the net. Um, and instead, he skied it probably back to England. So, um, you know, it's it's just, it's, it's just the way it is. But, I, 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 you know, I admire both teams, you know, both teams gave such a good footballing match. And that's what you want to see. You want to see some of the best players in the world. I, I think it was um, uh, Tony Cruz tweeted, the, the former German international, uh, England-France, without question, the best game in the World Cup. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I still don't think it's like the most entertaining match in the World Cup. But I think in terms of player ability and the matchup and the way that match was played out, I think, yeah, absolutely, 100%. Um, just going on to, like, England future, I do, I honestly do believe that was England's best chance, personally. Because you look at four years down the line, you potentially lose Harry Kane, Harry Maguire, Jordan Pickford, um, other players. Jordan Henderson. Jordan Henderson. Henderson. Uh, yeah, Hen- I, don't, I don't see Henderson racket. making the Euros. Right, right, no, no, he won't. No, no. I'm surprised he even made this World Cup. Obviously, he did score, but I'm still surprised he even made this World Cup. Uh, Raheem Sterling. I know, I know, he, he didn't play much. Anyway. I, I know he didn't play. Much come on, on Saturday. Fuck me. Yeah, I was surprised. He, I was surprised he even <laughs> came on on Saturday. To be honest with you, um, the, the, so many players won't be, or they'll be what 33, 34 when it comes to the World Cup in 2026. Um, John Stones as well, you know. There's so many players. Kyle Walker. I mean, I could go on. I could go on. I could go on. Yeah, but for there, every, every player you're staying there, you've got your you've got your Bellingham's, your Sackers, your your yeah, Fodens, who are all still going to be around. And there's going to be Absolutely. other players that come through that, that are going to force their way into that squad. Four years is a long time in football. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, we'll still I'm be not. in League Two, probably. <laughs> <laughs> League Two, that's optimistic. We'll be in the Conference North, South, whatever. South. No, um, I, I, I do truly believe. I, I, um, I, I'm not doubting England because England could. <laughs> England could bring in players just like that. Then <laughs> the cat's not impressing my comments. <laughs> Taking Cat over the feeding. Yeah. Cat's been uh, fed. <laughs> He's looking at you, Fifey, now. <laughs> He's saying I ain't. Um, Do continue. No, I'm not. I'm not doubting that England will be able to bring him because um, they've got such a good, so many players that could potentially step up. And I, do you know what that that Harry Kane role now? I don't think he will be at World Cup 2026. No. I don't. Oh, Euro, he'll he'll play in the Euros, and that'll probably be he his might, one. Yeah, song. he might play. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I think that'll be it for him. Okay, well, we have gone on for two hours, so let's conclude with a, a, a double a double question for you all then. Mm-hmm. Um, and that question is from here. We're, we're presuming 
it's go it's going to be Argentina France final, I imagine. Uh, but with this World Cup, it's just fucking impossible to uh, you know. I'm I'm fully on board Team Morocco at this stage. Oh yeah. Um, Come on, Today, Morocco. I am Moroccan. <laughs> Woody, Woody's saying that got to be some Irish players we can poach. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, do double, double vote then. Um, and yeah. it is that the question simply is who wins the World Cup? And um, do uh, from this point, do we see Southgate leading England into the Euros? Let's start with Kieran. <clears throat> Croatia win the World Cup and um, Southgate leading into the Euros I can see, he's got a contract until then I can't see the FA sacking him because I don't know really how you can we've met a bit of expectations over the last three tournaments How I don't think he could be sacked whether he decides it's time or not um, but I think he'll be determined to give it one more shot to try and get a major trophy and be that guy Okay, Nick? I think France will win it I think Croatia hopefully, hopefully beat the Argies because they don't deserve to be where they are. They where they showed their true colours again. Um, and see the clip of the goalkeeper call, uh, calling out um, Van Gaal. Yeah, but he's always been a shit house, hasn't he, Martinez? When he's played for Villa, he, he's the biggest shit house out. Um, yeah, sorry. Uh, what was the other question? Oh, yeah, Southgate. Yeah, I think he was still he would lead us into the Euros. Um, without a doubt, because they're 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 still building stuff th through the through the system. Okay. And one last thing I've got to say is uh, I'm sorry, Joe. Um, I've obviously been swearing too much tonight because she said she can't get used to me swearing. So <laughs> yeah. I apologise, Joe. I'll try to behave better. <laughs> no, shut the fuck up, Nick. Rich. <laughs> um, I'd love to see Croatia do it. Just from I mean, a lot. I mean, yeah, but well, I mean, yeah, of course, but yeah, of course, everybody does, yeah, yeah. But um, I would rather Modric win the World Cup over Messi all day long. Yeah, 100%. all day long, hundred percent, one hundred percent. I, you know, but also, if Messi won it, it would end the fucking debate, wouldn't it? It'd be like, well, Ronaldo, where's he? Where's because <laughs> he's carried his team. Uh, Messi's carried his team through the World True, Cup. True, but well, I, mean, I, Ronaldo, I mean, what the washed up Ronaldo was trying to do. <laughs> Portugal have won the Euros, though, so I don't know. Yeah, but Messi, Messi Argentina, won the won the, uh, Argentina won the Copa America now. It's the equivalent, because they can't, they can't win what, the Euros. What's harder, though, the Copa America or the Euros? You can only play from where you're from, can't you? Oh, he can't, he can't play. <laughs> I'm sure if they were in the Euros, he'd be up there. But <laughs> geographically, there's a problem. But, well, yeah. they, so, if they've done a deal with this in the Falklands, he might have been able to. Fuck's <laughs> yeah. sake. Um, <laughs> So um, you're saying Croatia, Rich? What about Southgate? Uh, do you know what? Do you know what? I'm actually surprised he hasn't already resigned. Oh wow! He didn't want to have to um, pay for his own plane ticket back. He's worried. He knows what the FA are like. If he resigned too quickly, <laughs> like now, nah, fucking get your own plane back. Uh, yeah, gents, yeah. thank you very much for your time this evening. It has been entertaining as ever. Thank you as well to, to Steve Hell, who was on for the first hour or so. Uh, some some incredible insights from him. We will be back as usual on Friday to preview the weekend's games. Uh, but from the four of us, thank you very much for watching. If you're watching it back or you're listening via any of the podcasts, uh, thank you for taking time out to do so. Uh, let me do the night. bit. Let me do the bit for Craig. <laughs> 
Um, whatever, whatever you're watching on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Put give the, the likes, give the uh, TikTok, Instagram. <laughs> uh, yeah, follow all the socials for content, and uh, and yeah, and if you are listening back on podcast, please do leave the reviews and the stars and whatever else they ask for, because the the, the higher you rate us, the more people can see and listen to us, and uh, you know, uh, Woody yeah, might get famous. Yeah, well, Coke might sponsor us, and Woody might get famous enough that he's allowed to appear with a guest. <laughs> but from the four of us, thank you very much for your time this evening. We've been forced to rush in. We'll see you on Friday. Good night. Cheers. Take my hands. Take my whole life too. But I can't. Falling